This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Uh, welcome to the Chelsea Fancast, fueled by Guinness, powered by Celery, the show that is still here, just. Now, it's uh, 15 days since we last saw Chelsea play football, uh, thanks to the coronavirus pandemic. This is tough, but let's face it, it's nothing compared to anyone who is fighting for their life in an ICU at the moment, having caught the damn thing. At times like these, we need perspective. But you know what? We also need a bit of levity to take our mind off the awful things happening in the world or even to us. More than that, you don't know what you've lost until it's gone. And that can apply to football too. Uh, Now, thanks to me missing the Everton game, the last home Premier League match I saw was the 2-1 victory over Spurs. Well, I suppose that's a good way to pause the season for a while, isn't it? Yes. Now, in the meantime, it's a good opportunity to remember the good times we've had at football. And one such example was when Chelsea won the full Members' Cup uh, in 1986 on March the uh, 23rd, to the day, in fact. 34 years ago today, and we beat Man City 5-4. And we'll be talking about that on the show tonight and much, much more. So tonight's show is called When Pates Went Up. The Chelsea Fancast number 497. And as ever on this show of shows, I have the delightful Mr. Jonathan Kidd. How are you, Squire? I'm okay, thanks, Chidge. You sure? Surviving, just... Actually, I shouldn't take the mickey, should I? Um, uh, no, yeah, I'm fine, thanks. Yeah, yeah. I may have to self-isolate to my horror uh, because I'm, uh, I think I may be one of the, uh, the country's one and a half million um, because I'm asthmatic. So uh, Henrietta, my girlfriend, is, uh, has freaked out slightly and gone, uh, oh, you will have to live up the road in your office. I've got a little office up the way. Have you? <laughs> she said, don't worry, I'll just I'll post things to you. I'll hand them to you at the door. She said, I'll be in my, my has suit, but I'll do that. I don't mind. <laughs> so uh, I may have to do that for three months, which would be slightly worrying. But I've got a lot of boys things in here. It's like a man cave. So uh, 
whether I can exist for three months in a man cave is something I'm not convinced I can, but uh, I might just peek out. I'm a bit worried about having my beard and my hair will grow. It'll be like being on Castaway or, you know, Castaway Island, a Castaway, like being Robinson Crusoe. Oh, Jonathan, Jonathan, Jonathan. Do you know what? I mean, that's really funny you should say that. I, I've been thinking exactly the same thing. The, the thing that I've been worried most about, because you know how precious I am about my bloody hair. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I've been thinking exactly the same thing. And I'm thinking, well, well what am I going to do? You know, what am I going to do if I can't go to my barbers, which I religiously go to, you know, once every five weeks. So I've actually been checking out on Amazon uh, the... Well, yeah, I've been looking out, looking, checking out clippers. You see, yeah. yeah, and of course I have to get the missus to do it, but it means I'm just going to have to have a skinhead haircut. But of course I can cope with that. Well, because... alternatively, just have long hair and sweep it back. Well, this is this is my choice. You know, either I yeah. I go skinhead, go full skinhead. You know, maybe maybe more of a suede head actually, if people will understand the difference. Um, because of course nobody will see me anyway because I'm basically no, keeping you, myself you to did, myself. That's, that's something. Well, having said that, you'll be doing lots of FaceTime, so oh, people. Yeah seeing you they oh, will yeah yeah, yeah. this is important i am going to go for the uh the brushing the hair back and just see what happens yeah, yeah. i might just grow it again man i mean i've had long hair before you know yeah. let's see if i can do one could for me you know at my age it could be like the last hurrah for my hair couldn't it you may just you may discover that this gives you a completely different uh, eccentric professor look that you want to spend the rest of yeah. your life with. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I like yeah. it. I like it. All right. Okay. Uh, thank. Uh, that's that. That that is that has been the Chelsea Fancast tonight. I hope you've all enjoyed it because uh, there's no football to talk about. Chelsea. So yeah, exactly. We might as well just talk about me and Jonathan's head. No, I'm lying. Obviously, there's loads on tonight. But before I do that, I am so delighted to say that on the show tonight. We have got Chelsea's correspondent for Football.London, my old mate, Mr. Oliver Harbord. Long time no speak, Ollie. How are you? Very well, mate. How are you doing tonight? Yeah, I'm good, actually. As I was saying before we went on air, I'm super pumped uh, to do Chelsea fancast when there's no football on. For me, that makes absolute sense. It fits in totally and utterly with the ethos of this funny little show that we do. Um, I'm going to talk I'm to you in a minute. We can talk about games that uh, that Ollie wasn't even born for. Well, I, I have a suspicion, Jonathan, we will yeah. be doing that, but uh, yeah. more of yeah. that later. Ollie, great to have you on board. It really is great to have you back. It's been far too long. Now, it's about time we had somebody sensible on the show talking sense anyway. Right, on the show tonight, uh, we are if it's bad enough for us with no football what are the players doing without it and how does football and footballers uh, have a responsibility to use their position in the community to help in the crisis in part two uh, and ollie will will notice this you see he, he'll notice immediately that I've, I've hoofed most of the chelsea related current chat right out of football london today as a kind of a personal <laughs> homage and tribute to the fine institution which i also write for anyway we're going to be discussing joe cole's comments on ross barkley and offer our own uh, appraisal of mr barkley uh, we ask with the enforced delay will there even be a summer transfer window uh, thankfully ollie will be here to tell us what the rumors are and of course jonathan will be there to quash them immediately uh, what is what is Chelsea's strongest starting eleven when football finally returns? Uh, I'm going to enjoy that because if, if the boys have read their notes, which I sincerely hope they have, they'll know that uh, both Football London have done this and our own very own Liam Toomey's done it for the Athletic. So it'll be kind of like celebrity death match in terms of football strong squads or something like that. Uh, anyway, we're going to discuss also some of Chelsea's greatest captains in the light of match of the day 
making John Terry. They all voted for him, which is brilliant. John Terry, the greatest Premier League captain of all time. We, we tried to do it on Friday night's Love Sports Show, but we ran out of time. So we'll give it a proper going over tonight. And in part three, uh, this is what I'm really looking forward to. You lot are in for a treat tonight. In part three, we are going to wallow in a bit of nostalgia by celebrating the 34th anniversary of when Colin Pates... When Pates went up to lift the full Members' Cup, we were there, we were there. Uh, now, talking to Colin Pates, uh, we've actually got, I've got, I've got, uh, I've clipped out a bit of the, I did an interview uh, with Colin Pates and Johnny Bumpstead, both of whom who played in that match. And uh, I've included a couple of clips of them talking about the full Members' Cup in, uh, in that section. So don't go away, listen to that. Uh, it's going to be cra- absolutely cracking. And in part four, finally, in part four, uh, we've, I have to say, we have a dearth of emails this week. We only have two. Uh, but thankfully, they're beautifully formed. So we shall read those out. And if we have time, I've been itching to do this for about eight years, I think. Oops. Uh, nil points for Chidge for not turning a mobile phone off. Uh, anyway, yeah. Good if time, we, though, Chidge. Good you, noise. It was, yeah. Anyway, if, if we do have time, we're going to have the first round, Jonathan, of the Chelsea Fancast Trivial Pursuit Challenge. Fantastic. Yes, so there you go. And the people in Mixler can join in with that, although they won't get any cheese, all right? Uh, okay, so uh, don't forget, don't of course. Cheese. You get cheese in Trivial I always call it tr- a cheese or cake in Trivial Pursuits. Oh, that, okay, right. Yeah, yeah. you know what I mean? Anyway, uh, don't forget, you can listen to the show live every Monday at 7 o'clock by going to Mixler, which is mixlr.com forward slash Chelsea hyphen fancast, where you can join in the chat by posting on the live chat page. And, of course, you can also tweet at Chelsea Fancast during the show to tell us what you think about the games or anything else on Chelsea. And I think in these times of self-isolation, uh, it's a really good excuse for you to tweet Chelsea Fancast about anything you like. You know, we need to we need to be there for each other at the moment. That's the truth of it. Anyway, we'll be back in a minute. Dokey. So, um, I'm very pleased to have Oli Harbour on because uh, Oli, as I said, talks so much sense. Um, but there's a really good, there's a really, there's another really good reason to talk to Oli tonight uh, because, you know, as you know, Oli Oli writes for Football London, and I can't even begin to think what it must be like being a football journalist at the moment with absolutely no football, no live football, or no, you know, recently played football to talk about. Whatsoever. So, Ollie, what on earth does a football journalist do when there is no football to cover? It's, uh, that's a very good question. Um, it's basically now just... It comes on shows like this. comes on shows like this, yeah. Uh, dipping into the archives of uh, maybe how the season's gone. Uh, today I did a piece with Alan as well, um, uh, who works for us. Uh, did a piece on, the 20, on a 25-man squad of the worst Roman Abramovich signings. Uh, since he took over in 2003 so wow. you know you just you just find a, a way of, of of doing this but look we all know it's such a, a quickly changing situation what's happening and even today you know UEFA confirming that although we knew this was going to happen UEFA confirmed that the likes of the Champions League and Europa League will be suspended or postponed until a further date you know they're all 
always little bits of news that are coming out right now um so it's about trying to keep on top of it and and really serving the best possible news for, for everyone really because it is such a, a fast changing situation you just need to um make sure that everyone's aware of everything that's going on but uh, i am missing going to the bridge i have to say yeah well, i am missing football and uh, and not being able to actually report on some proper football yeah well not off i think we can both <laughs> concur for that actually i mean it, it was really kind of funny and i, I mentioned it in the intro I, I got a bit wistful uh thinking we might not see football for a long long time what was the last can i remember because i mean you know what i'm like jonathan i've got a terrible memory and i i can't even remember the last match half the time and i'm going to let you into a little secret here you're going to love this it's a little bit of a kind of a window into the psyche of your uncle chidge but i sat there you know scratching my ass thinking oh what was the last match i went to because i knew i'd missed the everton game for which i'm i shall regret hugely but i was up in glasgow at a wedding so there's not much i could do and i missed the liverpool match because i got let down well, I mean, long story, but I didn't. I ended up not going. So I thought, oh, the last home match I must have been the Spurs game, and I thought, oh, well, that was great. It was a Saturday kickoff. Uh, I got absolutely. I had a Chelsea Sports Trust meeting. Uh, I saw, as Viali used to say, I saw all the chaps, which is great. And then I got absolutely battered afterwards with the Americans in this pub in Earl's Court. In fact, I was so drunk I don't remember how I got home. And 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 my was wife. What, what was was it the Fimbra? No, no, I, I, I can't even remember the name of the pub, JK. I got hauled off to some pub in Earl's Court. Anyway, I was absolutely battered, had a really, really good night. And I, and I kind of sat there thinking, oh, you know what? If that's the last football match uh, I, I see for ages, uh, that's a really good kind of way to go out, isn't it? And then, then I thought, oh, I, I recorded it on TiVo. And then I realised that the other week I'd re- deleted everything you know, because I quite often do that. So I scra- I went straight back into TV trying to make, because you know they have that thing called recently deleted, and I went in there and I, I've, I've rescued the Spurs, the Chelsea Spurs match so I can watch it time and time again going, oh, yes, I remember that. Anyway, cutting a very long story short, I suddenly realised that's not the last match I was at at all. <laughs> no, the, the last match was bloody Chelsea versus Bayern Munich, which was horrible. <laughs> it's amazing how I expunged that from my memory so quickly. It's easily done. I do that all the time with life generally, actually. Well, indeed, indeed. Uh, now, here's the thing. Ollie might know the answer to this because uh, I, I would imagine he's been ferreting around trying to get as much uh, information as possible. And, and it's, it's a question, oddly, I've been wanting to ask on the uh, Chelsea fancast for the last two or three weeks, really, but we, we just never, ever have any time. But Ollie, do you have any kind of insight into to what the players are doing without any football? I mean, they're not even allowed to train at the moment, are they? In, in, well, the they, they've all been given training plans to work from home. So uh, Chelsea also provided them with exercise bikes um, to keep themselves fit. Uh, so they've all been doing stuff on their own sort of gardens, if you like, inside the house. Um, from what I understand, I was told today that the players have been uh, provisionally given a date of April the 6th to return to training. Um, but that again is very, you know, subject to change depending on what might happen with the Premier League and the FA pushing the uh, return of football back. But at the moment, April the sixth is a provisional so two return away, to come. Two weeks away. So two weeks away, yeah. With the, with the football not expected to start until at least April the thirtieth. Obviously, it's a different situation with Chelsea's as that it has been with other clubs. Obviously, with the with the Callum Hudson Odoi situation. Um, being tested positive. I also understand that there's no other players right now that have been tested positive or members of staff, uh, which is good. So, But it's about giving them as much time to just get over that and make sure everyone comes back with a clean bill of health. So, I mean, it is that. You might have seen the stay-at-home challenge that they're all trying to do as well, which is kicking the toilet roll around, which 
Um, I've been asked to give it a go tomorrow, so we'll see how that goes. Did you um, see? But yeah, Tom- it's a, it's a, did you see the Mickey Thomas one? Oh, I haven't seen that one. No, actually. Yeah, because he started off by saying, "This is my three hundredth attempt." <laughs> <laughs> I, I gave it a little Very go fun. myself today, and it is a lot harder than it looks. Actually, I have to say. Um, but yeah, generally they are trying to keep themselves fit, and, and they've been giving themselves a personal a personal training plan. Can I just say something a second? I'm a bit bemused by this. What do they intend to do? when they're training in two weeks time, which is when most of us are supposed to be locked down. And what will they do? Will they train? I mean, you can imagine if they train 10 yards away from each other, they could do it. There'll be very little ball work because you can't get close to each other. Why why does this mythical April the 3rd, 4th, 5th and 6th keep being mentioned by clubs when the rest of the world is being told? I mean, people are ignoring it in the Richmond Park yesterday. The rest of the world is told to... um, stay you know several yards away from each other walking in the street and yet footballers somehow they can come back and train and uh, that seems absolute idiot. I, I absolutely agree no i agree but, but i think that they they're dictated a little bit with what the premier league has announced of when the season is going to start oh, up yeah, again but, but, I uh, but we've I mean, established though haven't we ollie that, that the premier league just make ridiculous statements oh, look, very I agree. Thick people you know, yeah I mean, no i agree that that, that will say, change that will push yeah. back which means that the, the you know, Chelsea and their players will push everything back as well. It's right. a very much a provisional date, um, but they have to have some they sort have of date, date if, if they mind. Yeah. 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 So then that again will be, you know, if you're looking at that from the sixth, from the um, what's that, 24 days before the season was scheduled to start. I guess they're looking at 24 days when the actual start will be, if you see what I mean. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of like they have a date in their mind, but look, it's very it's very flexible right now. And and especially with what announcement Boris Johnson might make again tonight and, and everything yeah. else going on, that they will adjust to that. Ollie, you know, I, I'm st- I mean, look, I, I've been ranting uh, about this, you know, like a bloke, you know, shouting at cars, holding a can of tenant super. But... Um, there is absolutely no way on God's earth that they are playing football uh, after April the 30th, uh, like as in 1st of May. It's just not going to happen because we all know that the peak of the coronavirus epidemic is going to be, or pandemic, is going to be May and June. So my feeling is is that the only reason why the Premier League are doing this is they're trying to stave off their financial and legal liability for as long as they possibly can. So given that, A, the players are probably going to be having an enforced very long layoff without perhaps being able to train with each other at Cobham. Cobham. Although I can see how if none of them have got the coronavirus, they might want to risk that, but I don't know. Secondly, you know, there was another thing that was being mooted that I heard about this weekend, which is that uh, the Premier League reckon that if they can get things going, say, in July, uh, then they they reckon they can kind of squeeze all of these matches in in a short space of time and then basically pretty much go straight into the new season. Yeah. Uh, which I can kind of see the sense of. And I think by doing that, by the way, playing those remaining games, they'd probably have to do behind closed doors as well, which be, which would make logistical sense because people wouldn't be able to go anyway. Um, what I'm really thinking of here, Ollie, is that whenever they started again, you can't just have these players going straight back into a game, particularly if they're only training in maybe, what, two, three months, has been sitting on an exercise bike or kicking a bog roll up in the air. They're going to need some training, you know, some pre-season training, if you like, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. I mean, it throws everything out of of kilter, really, doesn't it? Because, you know, Chelsea were obviously... One of the big things about for clubs these days is 
their pre-season tours and the amount of money they make off those tours. Now, I understand that Chelsea were going to be heading off to the US in the summer as part of their pre-season tour. Um, that is now obviously very, very unlikely to happen, um, so which so means Chelsea and, and several other clubs will miss out on on quite a big pay packet for them as well. But yeah, you're absolutely right when it comes to the players and actually getting up to some sort of match fitness. Um, it really remains to be seen what's going to be happen. I mean, I guess you're just going to have to play a lot of very quick behind closed doors matches to get some sort of match fitness going. But again, you know, this is this is just a difficult situation that the, the clubs are in, obviously, in that, in that case, that nobody quite knows how long this is going to go on for what might happen but you're right you can't just have a couple of months of sitting on the sofa and and going on the exercise bike and then going straight into full full bloody matches with let's not forget a lot on the line for these clubs as well when mm. it's so such a tight champions league race and what does happen then with the champions league and the fa cup and everything that goes with it it's just a, an absolute uh minefield right now of what might happen i, I think yeah, i've banged and banged on about this on the last two shows actually but i think that they'll it would suit them if it became a kind of festival of football and that it was crammed into two weeks, nine games in two weeks, because that would be make for wonderful telly and wonderful um, excitement that the Premier League was back. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if that's exactly what happens. Yeah, um, you could see you could see maybe the type of like a you know a domestic World Cup type style yes, if you like. So yes, you know absolutely. a game a game or two every day. Yeah. Um, yeah. trying to trying to get as much in as they possibly can and, and I think that if, if they want to realistically finish this season um, it might come down to that because yeah. mm. as you say Chich you know, the peak isn't going to be for a little while now and, and how can you have football whether it be behind, behind closed doors or not being played when the rest of the country is going through such sort of turmoil yeah. and, and the peak of the virus is with us I agree with that um, Ollie here's a question for you I mean I mean, obviously, a huge part of a journalist's job is going to the press conferences, which you can't do anymore, which is when you get your main access to the to the club and the players. But I would imagine, being a good journalist, you also have got a pretty good phone book, so you can still speak to them even though you can't go to the presses. Are you still actually able to speak to anybody at Chelsea, or have they all turned their phones off? Uh, well, it's a bit more difficult. Uh, obviously, access to the players has been pretty much shut down as well, as you can imagine, especially... You know, as Chelsea have been um, one of the clubs actually directly affected with coronavirus. I mean, you can still speak to the club and, and everything that's going on just to find out behind closed doors. But, you know, the players, that they're, they're, as Chelsea themselves, are, are feeding out stuff every so often on their own websites these days and everything that goes along like that when it keeps to, to actually how the players are going through this, then, you know, everything seems to be to be fine with them. So it is a bit more difficult, the access, you have to say. I mean clubs necessarily don't want to give you the most amount of access as it is anyway um with their own social media and how big their own websites are so uh, it is a little bit more difficult now than it than it usually would be mm. do you get a sense i mean if you i mean I, i'm not going to ask you you know if and who you've sp- spoken to but if you have you know been in contact with the club do you, do you get any sense of how they feel about all of this well i think they're just you know i get the feeling they're just kind of having to wait and see a little bit i mean they, they can't as a club themselves, they can't make too many moves without the, those above them really understanding and and deciding on what's going to happen. And I think it obviously it all comes down from first government and then it comes down through the Premier League. I mean, I think for Chelsea, they, they would like to see the season finished out as well. But again, they're just completely dictated about everything that's going on above them. So, you know, it is just a, wait, a very much a wait and see situation with the club, I, I believe. And and then just hope that they can actually get some football in at some point soon. But, you know, my, when, my when, when, would, 
sorry to interrupt you. My, my fear would be that they assemble everything and it's all going to take place. And then somebody in the squad reveals they've got the virus. Well, in which case, the, the, the whole team absolutely would have, to, true. have to pull themselves out immediately. But it's not just one one team either, is it? It's, you're talking about every player of, on every staff in, in every yeah, club in the league. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, if it, one club has it, you know, this all kind of really started with Mikel Arteta. And then obviously Callum was that night as well overnight. And it's just, you know, if that happens again, then then you're back to square one, really. So you, you can't, you kind of have to wait for everything around the country to completely settle down before you can even consider really going back into it. I mean, I haven't been told. I've been told that because I'm, I'm asthmatic that I'm going to, as I said, I'm going to be on this, this list of one and a half million people. I'll have to isolate for three months. Now, at the end of that, I don't know what the situation's going to be. If I haven't got it, does that mean I'm going to get it immediately? I come out of the self-isolation. You know, if people have still got it, it's there's a, there's a lot of there are so many unknowns in this situation. You know? You're gonna you're gonna be like a mole, Jonathan. <laughs> I've all, I'm already Chich, wearing <laughs> these specs, these round specs yeah. from the six that I normally wear, and well, I'm probably, getting into probably... character. And I've also I like covering myself in earth. Huge. Yes, so I've heard, Jonathan. Uh, yeah. But also, you'll be you'll probably be a bit pale. But there you go. Um, anyway, look, last question in this part, really, or last thing I wanted to discuss, which kind of segues on from what we've been talking about, really. But um, you know, we've seen uh, an amazing uh, uh, kind of uh, you know token of generosity from Roman Abramovich in giving up the uh, you know the Millennium and the Copthorne hotels over to NHS staff, which got some really good good press, obviously. Uh, Football London today had a nice piece um, containing Christian Pulisic's uh, message to uh, his fellow Americans in terms of, you know, how they need to behave uh, during this pandemic. And it kind of made me me think, Ollie, you know, football has quite a responsibility and I think quite a part to play here, doesn't it, in terms of, you know, they're a very important part of the community and actually not just in Stamford Bridge and, and Chelsea, but actually beyond that. So they have a part to play here, don't they? And I think we, we've seen quite a lot of evidence of them rising to that challenge, actually, in, in, in a lovely way. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, you know, you've seen, obviously, from the Abramovich uh, gesture, which was which was absolutely great to see. When you're thinking about a guy as well that's not even allowed a visa right now into the UK, that he's, he's still giving and reaching out and to the community that's obviously served Chelsea so well recently. Mm. Um, you know, I think I'm reading, you know, Alan Smith, our, one of our writers, uh, one of our senior writers wrote a piece that they could even go even more as well. I think that, you know, part of the social media side of it and it's just kind of feels a little bit hollow at times. Um, and there's even more. And, and the real issue as well is, is, is within football itself. You know, we're going to look at you look at the lower leagues and you look at these clubs that have struggled for so many years. And this could really be the end of some of them if, if things take a real turn for the worse. Um, and it's about whether the Premier League clubs, whether they have an obligation, whether they feel like it's the right thing to do to really help out uh, football as a community. Because you could see the divide between the Premier League and the rest of the mm. football in the UK as well, really split even further. Um, so it's going to be really interesting to see. But I, I think that, you know, Abramovich is a fantastic gesture and uh, you do feel like clubs could do even more because um, there's going to be a lot of people in, in such a, a bad way come a few months as well. Mm. I'm sure we will see them do that actually because uh, I think I think I mean like I mean I'll give you an example actually I thought this was a really lovely touch actually but Marcus Rashford has been doing a lot of work to try and ensure a lot of the kids 
you know, who who are on free school meals, for example, are still getting their, 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 you know, getting a hot meal a day, which is which is a lovely gesture. And I think there's been a lot more cases as well. All powers of their old, but we need more of that. Um, right, we're going to move uh, on, on very quickly uh, to the next part where we're going to be talking about uh, Ross Barkley. Joe Cole made some interesting comments on him this week, and we're going to talk about the summer transfer window, if it will happen. Chelsea's strongest starting eleven when the football returns. The uh, football London versus Athletic celebrity death match, in other words. Uh, loads more, loads more, including the greatest ever Chelsea captains. But before we do that, I've got a quick plug for something very important. Not quite as important as the pandemic, but something that might feel you, make you feel a little bit better during it. And that is the uh, much, uh, much needed continuation of Chelsea's number one fanzine, or CFC UK if you prefer. Um, but I do know for a fact that the well, I've got a deadline on Friday, so I've got to get my finger out my rear end and write a piece for Dave. Um, but we are going to carry on with the old fanzine. Um, obviously, you you will not be able to get it uh, on a match day, but don't worry, you can still get it in the. I mean, many people already do this; they get it digitally by subscribing online at cfcuk.net. Uh, but uh, Dave's basically saying, look, you can get it on mail order. So you can get it uh, for two quid, including first class postal delivery. Uh, to get this, this is important, so keep your ears open. To order CFC UK uh, by mail, by the post, you send your address via email and you pay. Uh, well, you send your address via the email, which is uh, CFC UK at gate17.co.uk, and you pay via PayPal by paying the same email address cfcuk at gate17.co.uk if you're in the united states of america then um you basically just follow the twitter account at cfcuk usa and uh or you can actually i think get hold of dan lundberg who's on twitter at d lundberg underscore we will be back very shortly Fans, real I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to Chidge and the Boys on the Chelsea Football Fancast. Total nutters and proper Chels. Right, welcome back. This is Stanford Chidge. You're listening to the Chelsea Fancast. Uh, a time when there is no football, the Chelsea Fancast rises to the challenge, but it couldn't be done without Mr. Jonathan Kidd. Buonasera. Lovely. Doing his best Mark Warren impersonation and uh, the ever so lovely Ollie Harbord, who I'm delighted to say we've got back for the first time in far too flaming long. Ollie, good to have you on board. Good evening. Thanks for having me. Mm. Uh, talking to Marco, Jonathan, um, as I was doing the, uh, the the Love Sports show on Saturday as well as Sunday this weekend, Marco filled in on the on the Talk Sport breakfast show. This is kind of really surreal. I'm doing a breakfast show, right, and normally I speak to the rival breakfast show to take part in their funny little quiz, and I had to get somebody else to do it from the, ch- the fan cast crew. Marco volunteered and did the... Uh, the the uh, the little kind of challenge with Max uh, Rushton and, and Charlie Baker uh, and I won four two the previous week against Villa. Marco lost five four, but it did go to VAR. Uh, Jonathan, 
<laughs> so so they got him up with that. That's great, isn't it? Good for him. Marco deserves to do that kind of thing because he's he's so interesting. He was really good too, actually. It's, yeah. it's a lot of fun. Yeah. But he had some really awfully hard questions. I mean, really. And the Leicester, uh, the, yeah, it was Leicester. The Leicester guy had, re- you know, as Charlie Baker said, he said, your questions are really easy. They might as well say to you, what's the first letter of Leicester? And, uh, you know, they were that kind of simple. Uh, but Marco did well. He actually, for example, knew that Boularus had come from Hamburg. I mean, wow. God. Yeah, wow. wow. So Marco did well. Thank God it wasn't me. I'd have got drubbed 5-0 or something, I think. But anyway, enough, enough. We're going to talk about real football now. Yes, it's true. We are going to talk about real football because uh, 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 in the Daily Star this week, uh, they had a lovely interview with Joe Cole. And I mean, I love Joe Cole. Joe Cole is without doubt, uh, you may think I'm a bit gone in the head, but then you kind of know that anyway. Joe Cole is without doubt one of my most favourite uh, Chelsea players of all time. He really, I love the little guy. Um, anyway, he's also a very nice bloke and uh, he's always really positive and effusive uh, about everybody. Uh, you know, even people who don't play for Chelsea actually. But he was very nice about uh, about Ross Barkley when when talked to, to, to about him. And I shall say what he says. Ross has improved. He's a top player. I'm a big fan of Ross Barkley. Always have been. He's been a little. Uh, he's been a bit less spoken about because of Jack Grealish and James Madison and Mason Mount, but he's done a terrific job at Chelsea. The last two games against Liverpool and Everton, he was brilliant, absolutely fantastic. Uh, and then he went on to say, "I've always thought he was a top player, and I think he'll be at Chelsea for many, many years." He added. Uh, now the challenge for Ross is: Can he keep doing that? Can he be that player who drives Chelsea on to win trophies like his manager was? I think he can. Uh, I'm pleased if people can see the similar. Oh yeah, sorry. The other thing was people compared have compared uh, uh, Barkley to Cole. I think that's quite an interesting comparison actually, which we'll talk about in a minute. I can see similarities between him and me because I'm a big fan. I think I just developed at Chelsea. It wasn't just Jose. He's a fantastic manager, but I was playing with better players, more expectation. I grew into my body a bit, and winning trophies breeds confidence. I like everything about Ross. Technically, he's spot on. The mental aspect of the game. He's getting better and better. Tactically, he's improving all the time. I just think he's a top, top player for Chelsea and England. As football evolves, players like him are getting more and more valued. He's a fantastic player. Massively huge and effusive praise from Joe Cole there, Ollie. And, of course, I should say I lifted that from Football London because that's my go-to place for Chelsea news. (laughs) I'm not just saying that because I write for them. And Ollie's on the show. It's true, I do. Because I've got... I tell you what, I mean, honestly, without blowing any more smoke up your arse, Ollie, the the, the app that I downloaded that's on my desktop is manna from heaven for people like me because I I don't have to fanny around going, to find this i just click on that and boom i'm straight in there anyway enough of all of that um really interesting from joe cole there i mean as i said he, he does have a habit of being nice about everybody but interesting words I, i'm very curious about the comparison between him and barkley as well which i think is quite a, quite a good one in many ways yeah i find barkley just a really uh, interesting player in the sense that he's obviously got a lot of quality a lot of quality and we saw that against liverpool when he scored the goal saw that against everton as well um and, you know, he's just, he's struggled to really find where he fits in a Chelsea side. You know, I thought under Sarri, he looked like a player who just didn't really know what he was doing when he came on. He was asked to play a very specific regimented role, and that's not his style. Um, I think what we saw against Everton um, and Liverpool, I have to say, is that where he's best is when he picks up the ball in the gaps behind the opposition's midfield. I think we're there where he picks up the ball and he runs at players. I think he can be a really excellent player. It's not all been his fault as well. He's not had a great amount of chances. I thought in pre-season, he was probably the best Chelsea player. I have to say out of all the games I saw uh, 
Um, he was really good during pre-season, but he struggled to to get starts. He's just he just seems like a bit of a frustrating player as well at times. But there's no doubting he's got ability. I mean, it's also very frustrating that he decides to have probably at least five shots from outside the box in every match. Um, but you just kind of think that he needs to take another level. And, uh, you know, no goals yet in the Premier League, no goals in the Champions League. He only made two appearances and obviously that penalty miss. I just I just find him a very interesting player. And actually, from the suspension of the, of the league, he's probably the one player that will miss out the most because I thought he was playing excellently. And now he's got to kind of start again when the likes of Kante will probably be back fit, Kovacic back fit, Jorginho obviously suspended for one more game. So I just find him a very, <laughs> a very interesting player. But whether he can take that next step... To- to be the man at the club. I just don't really see it, I have to say. You're a big fan, aren't you, JK? Can I just say a few things here? First of all, it's a bit damning having Joe Cole saying <laughs> he played with better players. Thanks, Ooh. Joe. Yeah. <laughs> well, we, so, he's not also, wrong. He's not yeah, wrong. I know, but you know, thank, you know, what's he saying? We're a bit rubbish. Well, okay, we're comparison with the 2008 side. Yeah, 2008 side were wonderful. I agree, but okay. Then himself, Joe Cole, and comparing Joe Cole with with this bloke. I mean, come on. I mean, Joe Cole was is was far superior, a much, much, much better player. And even then, he didn't do what Radio wanted, so he kept subbing him after 20 minutes because he he found him un. Um, uh, undisciplined, didn't he? But I mean, Cole was was there were games that Cole was completely superb. I've yet to see any element of superbness from this man, um, Barkley. Who I'm afraid I think has uh, has got terrible issues about not actually fulfilling his potential. I mean, you know, we don't, we, I, I wish him all the best with it, but um, uh, his his dithering and giving the ball away, and even the shooting too much, as you just said there. Uh, um, um, who who are we here at the moment? I can't remember. Who are you? Who are you all? I'm losing losing my thread completely. Ollie. Do you want a clue? Yeah, yeah. Ollie, Ollie and Chid, It's a um, bit like what you are. Sounds a bit like what you are. A bit of a dick. Yeah. Wally. Yeah, thank you. Um, um, he, he shoots too much, and to such an extent, the ball frequently then he loses possession, and the opposition quick break up the other end. His big thing about losing possession, not knowing what to do with the ball. I agree with you. The last two matches. He looked, he looked a lot better playing further forward in that setup. And my fear, I hope that Frank appreciates what he stumbled upon, that that setup that we had with Gilmore in the middle, um, p- providing so much more uh, solidity than Jorginho's ever done. I think Kovacic could probably play with him, but um, uh, that looked like a, a. He looked to me as if he discovered a team playing that could have. Um, run away with the rest of the season and beat everybody because they were two fantastic performances and and he actually fits in going forwards but you know you can tell nobody believes Joe Curl said by the fact that when he scored the goal against against Liverpool for example and he ran the length of the field we're all shouting out pass it pass it for God's sake pass it oh oh he scored oh my goodness because none of us believe that he'd ever ever do a decent pass. He'd overhit it. He overhits all the other games he's played. He overhits. He lets the ball go under his foot. He doesn't concentrate. Got bad concentration. He is constant. If you put him in a position midfield further back, he'll somehow believe that he can beat four players and he'll fail. So uh, I, I, I understand. I think we're giving him a, a great deal of, of appreciation here because he played well the last two games. 
I fear that the momentum that he's created will have just disappeared. And disappeared. Just, just to add on that as well, I think that yeah, JK is absolutely right because if you look at the Bayern Munich performance, he looks so out of his depth. Yeah. In that, I felt that he just like that level was so far above him, um, and he was really quite poor. And even though he was excellent against Everton, Everton was shocking. Let's be honest, yes. they were really yes. quite bad. So it's kind of. You know, it's it's about seeing him against, and even Liverpool. You know, it is Liverpool. How good they've been this year, but it was a different. It was an team. Eight, eight changes Liverpool. Well, exactly. Yeah. So it's kind of those. What is his level? And I think he showed against Bayern. He's not at that Champions League level, and I don't think. I, well, I just don't think he's at top Premier League level. No, no. Um, but, but, but he, but he has are. the ability. No, I agree, and he has. But he has a very good ability. But I just don't see him taking that next step. I have to say. It's very interesting, isn't it? I mean, I, you know, I, I desperately want, want and wanted, or wanted and want, perhaps the right way around, uh, for Ross Barkley won't, to won't. No, no, to, okay. to succeed uh, at Chelsea. I, I thought he was a, a tremendous talent when he broke onto the scene as a young kid, when he got into the England side really early. I, I have to say, Ollie, I, I kind of lost my rag with him uh, this season. I just thought, that's it. I can't, I can't, he's just not ever going to do it. And I was really quite down on him, and you know, mainly because of the dithering and the giving of the ball, uh, giving the ball away, as Jonathan was saying. Uh, and then he put in that performance against Liverpool and and Everton, and I thought, oh, or maybe, may. And I think I think two things that to, to pick up on from what you said, really, which are kind of linked, really. One of them is, I agree with you. I think half of it has to do with having you know playing him in the right position. You know, if you play him further up the pitch, hopefully, if he loses the ball, it doesn't do, do too much damage because he does. And secondly, if you've got a player like Gilmore playing in the midfield who can clean up his messes, that also helps. But also, I think he's more effective further up the pitch because he can link with the, the forwards a lot better and also, you know, play in the hole. And, and he can score goals. So he's clearly shot. got the talent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The other thing is, actually, Ollie, that I'll just pick up on, I think you're right. I think of all of the players at the moment for whom this protracted break will be really unfortunate, it, it, it is Barkley because you would have loved to have seen him play in the next game to see if he could, you know, maintain that form. And of course, yeah. we'll, we will never know. But there we go. I think generally, I think, you know, we're all Chelsea fans. Let, you know, I would love to see him do well. But I, I have to be honest with you, the jury is still out. And of course, that is moot because, uh, you know, one would expect that come July the 1st, there will be, uh, well, whenever it starts, I forget. I, Ollie will tell me when it's supposed to start. But there would normally be a transfer window. I have to say, Ollie, I'm I'm... I'm not entirely sure how that's going to work this season with the season probably still going on. I mean, first of all, what what do you think about that? Do you think that, I mean, A, when does it start? Because I can't remember anyway, but I mean, when does it start? Supposed to be? Yeah, so so July the 1st was, is, is the day that, that, yeah. that Hakim Ziyech is supposed to be a Chelsea player. Uh, and that's when the, the summer transfer window is supposed to start. And then obviously they'd um, changed it again so that it would finish um, at the end of end of August. Um, so that they had more time for the summer. But yeah, just going on to that, I, I, you know, again, it's one of those things we really have no idea when it could start and when the, the legality of everything will happen. And, you know, there's been talk about players. Obviously, Chelsea have got players like Willian, Pedro, um, Caballero, Olivier Giroud, all have contracts that run out at the end of June. What happens if the Premier League season finishes beyond June? Um, do they go on a, a weekly rolling contract, which is something has been suggested? When would Hakim Ziyech actually join Chelsea? Because when would the Eredivisie uh, league finish as well? It's just an absolute legality nightmare for for the for everyone really. Um, 
I mean, Chelsea will need a summer transfer window. Uh, you have to think Lampard will be desperate to have one. But again, when that starts and finishes, it's uh, it's very much up in the air right now. You don't think it'll be scotched then? I mean, you know, let, let's let's talk worst case scenario. Let's say this drags on, you know, past July in terms of resolving the season. You know, will they just shove everything forward? Or, I mean, I, I, at, this, at this moment in time, I, I think that there is such a determination from those who run football and the clubs themselves to finish the season. And if they finish the season, that means they have to start the transfer window. And I think you're right. I think a lot of this has to do with all the financial and legal liabilities therein. So if even if the season doesn't get resolved for, say, July, August, even September, they will still then have a transfer window right afterwards and a break before another season. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's how long you leave the transfer window as well. I mean, do they just say, right, this is when the season's finishing, we will keep the transfer window as it is, but players won't join until the end. I mean, it's just, there's so many different variables, really, when it comes to it. Um, you know, again, if they scrap a transfer window, well, what does that mean for Hakim Ziyech? And, and, you know, if is he allowed to join Chelsea, well, then Ajax can't buy a replacement. So that's not fair on them. And it, it's all those kind of different variables as well. And, and it's just absolutely convoluted in the way that it's going to be um it's going to be a very interesting to see how they actually sort of filter through that and and make sure that, that something comes that it works for all club but unfortunately i feel like some clubs are not going to be very happy in, in what might be the situation at the end well maybe they're just going to have to work together and given the extraordinary circumstances which we find ourselves in i just tell you what jonathan something occurred to me you know, these players are under contract until June the 30th. And some of them, some of the Chelsea players certainly are out of contract then. There's nothing to stop, stop them walking away if they want to. No, you're absolutely right. I wonder how many of them will. You wonder how many of them have got stuff lined up already and they want to yeah. go there. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, such a, it's such a conundrum, isn't it? Uh, you wonder whether um, the, the club may have to offer them financial incentives um to stay further um you'd have thought william would be off because apparently he's going to barcelona not um <laughs> uh, well he, he's already said that he he, he he's wants prepared to go. yeah but he's he also said he's that he's prepared, prepared to honor yeah, yeah, yeah. Honor, honor his contract and to, well honor honor play, playing you know out the, the season to a finish you know and all of that so it's, it, i mean it is chaos so listen just to kind of bring it bring us all down a bit but quite rightly so the man the man who speaks the truth and reality mr paul crowder pc from la i love him to pieces he said this is this puts it in perspective when the bodies are piled up in six weeks are we really going to pursue finishing a football season uh, i think paul makes a very stark but very good point there um listen on the basis that we do think it's going to come back um and of course, you know, we, there are so many unknowns and variables at the moment. And, uh, you know, like I said, you know, if we were to have played the next match against Villa, we would have been, in, I mean, we could have seen, would, would Gilmore have, have, have started again? Would he have kept Jorginho out? Uh, will Bar- would Barkley have started again? All of these conundrums. We were suddenly, we looked like we'd turn a corner and we picked up a bit of form and everything else. Um, sometime we will have to come back. So, of course, that means that a lot of the players that are unfit at the moment would be fit again, one would hope, um, given that they wouldn't have trained, but certainly they won't be injured. So let's say Frank has got a, a full squad available. 
Uh, and my chums, uh, actually, Ollie didn't write this. So if you don't like what what's written here for Football <laughs> London, don't email Ollie. It's not his fault. Uh, on the other hand, if you don't like what the Athletic wrote, uh, you can absolutely uh, ham- hammer Liam to me because he put his name to it and is therefore responsible. But I'll read you uh, uh, Football London's uh, choice uh, for Chelsea's best eleven when they all when they're all fit and they all come back. They're both four three three. Anyway, uh, Football London says Kepper in goal. Aspilicueta, Rudiger, Zuma, Alonso in defence, Kante, Kovacic, Gilmore in midfield, and Pulisic, Abraham, Mount uh, up front. Uh, and uh, the Athletic, Liam Toomey says, Kepper in goal, James, Zuma, Tomori, Aspilicueta, Kante, Kovacic, Loftus-Cheek, William, Abraham, Pulisic. And I should say in, in uh, Liam's defence, get the defence in first, he did his on the basis that everybody was still here and they hadn't buggered off after the, after their contracts ran out. So that's why he's got William, William in there. Uh, Jonathan, what do you think of those two choices? I don't think Loftus-Cheek's going to make it in, despite there being another three months, because he won't have had any game time at all. And they were having difficulty getting him up to fitness uh, uh, the last few days, um, the last few weeks. Uh uh, I think um, I don't think uh, Tomori will play either because he he hasn't been his early season self. So um, I think Zuma did himself a lot of good in the last games. And I suppose it's once again it's it's how they train Chidge, isn't it? Once again they're all changing on top there. I I would pick Giroud personally that because to me that setup against Liverpool and Everton, despite both teams being terrible. Um, uh, in fact, the Everton game annoyed me because if only Everton had played, if they kept with uh, what's his name Garcia for another week, we would have trounced them. But of course, Ferguson comes in and works them up into a frenzy, and they they go for us and do it. And I was bemused by the fact that um, uh, who's their their uh, Sadibi played out of his skin against us at Goodison and was one of the worst players on the pitch at Stamford Bridge. So. Something has happened there that uh, I think um, uh, Ancelotti will rectify. I was I was annoyed by the way that the chant for Ancelotti, um, Carlo, Carlo, didn't take off and he didn't really notice it because I re- I was hoping to show him some kind of appreciation in that game uh, and he was standing below me but I was the only one making an attempt to do it. I felt rather silly actually, but um, I digress. Um, I, I I thought that he well, I'll say it again. I think he he stumbled upon something via. Uh, suspension and injury that looked to me to be the best permutation of the players we've got, and uh, and I'm I'm would hope well once again it's down to training that um, uh, I think Reese James should always start and um, and I think that the dilemma is of course that Al- uh, Alonso has been brilliant in the games that he's played um, so yes he should play left back but then Pedro was terrific against Everton because he covered for him. And I know Pedro's legs have gone, but you think, could he make his way back? Would Pulisic be able to do that? Once again, it's a it's a training thing. If he could cover that, I would play Alonso plus Pulisic. And I'm afraid I wouldn't play. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a tricky one. Would you drop Dave? Um, because Alonso was before the only person who was scoring goals for us. Um, but And also, he seems to link up beautifully with Giroud. I wouldn't pick Abraham, personally, because I, I, I think that this form that they've got which Frank seemed to be very pleased with with Giroud playing out of his skin as the as the central um as the striker as the as the more advanced uh well just as a target man it's almost as if you you could play that system if 
you can play long balls to him. I've been I watched a few of the of of, uh, of the Champions League games before they everything came to a grinding halt. I noticed how to deal with packed defenses, people that started playing longer balls, which I felt was was that was an interesting way of dealing with it and having somebody big deal with it. When and Abraham was very much of this early season stuff of really passing quickly which was great which they seemed to get tired with i don't know what happened they couldn't play it anymore so if you're going to play a kind of um half and half with and have Giroud there i would play Giroud and not play abraham at all um but this is once again going on the momentum created by the last few games um and i i uh i would have gilmore in absolutely definitely i think gilmore is really he needs to play for the rest of the season um, he pr- provides a solidity that even makes the defence look good. Um, uh, Rudiger has been in and out. I think he was affected deeply by the uh, the, the Spurs chanting, um, and he seems to have come back in a bit more with and with Zuma. I don't. I think Tomori's um, not the player he was for some reason, um, and Christensen similarly does doesn't seem to have the bite necessary for the Premier League for me. He's a very. He seems to be very good. I don't know tactically. But, um, uh, you know, they're obviously goals have been given away. He said particularly set pieces. He always seems to be the one flailing away at the ball, having missed it as it came across. Mind you, Zuma's done a few of those as well. But um, they, they seem to be much more solid with Gilmore in the middle. Um, so, uh, and Willie and I would play every time um, because he, when he does play well, um, he really is top banana. He's just got to somehow keep playing those games, keep playing well, be given the opportunity to do so. But I, for me, the template ought to be what we did against Everton and Liverpool with Gilmore in the middle. So um, I would slightly differ from those two teams that came out there. It's good stuff, JK. I mean, Ollie, you know what strikes me? T- there are two things that strike me as really interesting, which I think we can go into a little bit more. One is that there are seven players common to both of the sides that the Athletic and, and Football London have picked, and they are Kepa, Aspilicueta, Zuma, Kante, Kovacic, Pulisic and Abraham. But there is one player who is missing from both of those sides, who is, which is quite interesting, and, and that, is, that is Jorginho. Uh, now, I have an issue. I mean, I think Kante, as, as both columns said, that he's our only world-class player. But I do wonder whether you can play both Kante and Gilmore I can understand that Kovacic can do a really good job in the mould of Jorginho but it's interesting that Jorginho is absent from both of those sides I mean what do you feel about that yeah I I, I do I have a, a bit of an issue with Jorginho I, I think that as we saw against Liverpool when Gilmore was in there and he made that recovery run to uh, stop Sadio Mane, I think it was, who was, looked like he was bearing down on goal. And he showed that recovery run. And you look back and you just think, if Jorginho was in that role, is he actually ever going to make that run and do the same thing there? And my my issue really comes from the fact that I just think defensively, Chelsea, obviously, it's, it's no secret that they've they've struggled to keep clean sheets. And I don't think necessarily it always comes from the defence. I think at times it comes from the lack of recovery from the likes of Jorginho, and even at times, Matteo Kovacic, I think he's he's got better at it. And I just feel like, is Jorginho on the ball good enough to really keep his place throughout? And I think there's, there's been times where he absolutely has. If you look at that, you know, the assist to Tammy Abraham um, at Watford, which was sensational. Uh, he did the same again when Giroud scored against um, 
Spurs as well. Um, obviously, it went down a little bit along the line. It wasn't quite an assist. I do wonder if Chelsea will move on from having seen what Gilmore can do over the last couple of games and moving forward as well into next season and the way that Lampard wants to shape his side. Um, I do wonder if they will move on from him. What he does do very well, actually, as well, from what I've been told, is, is Jorginho is actually a very good um, sort of mediator between the senior players and the younger players. I think that's part of his key as well. That he's not just That's why he was made vice-captain, basically, because he has that ability to be a really good guy in the dressing room that both the younger players can relate to and the older players respect as well. And he has that sort of barrier, uh, that bridge, sorry, between the two. So whether if you take him out of the squad completely, you might lose that in the dressing room a little bit, which is one of the reasons why Frank Lampard quite likes him. But if it was in my best starting eleven, Jorginho probably doesn't make it either. Yeah, it's a good point. That I tell you what else uh, interests me is the fact that Football London's best eleven has got three academy products in it in Gilmore, Abraham and Mount and the Athletics has got four with James Tomori, Loftus-Cheek and Abraham uh, which I just thought was really interesting given how much we, we keep going on about how many are, are breaking through. I think the other issue in here I mean you both got Kante in there and I, I, I really do wonder you know and I love Kante don't get me wrong this is not a, a chidge dissing Kante thing but I just wonder what his future is at the club given the other players we got in the midfield and given that I think it's so important to get that balance right. I mean, you know, what do you think about Kante, Ollie? Well, I, I, my, my issue with Kante right now is personally, I don't think he's been, the, you know, himself ever since Jorginho came into the squad. Um, going back to Sarri as well, I, I still believe that he's much better. His best performance for me, I think, you know, apart from the Super Cup where he, he was again playing almost on one leg and was brilliant. I thought Leicester away, he looked so much better in that two uh, with Kovacic, I believe it was at the time. I thought he was fantastic. I think the thing you have to weigh up with Kante in the summer and what does happen is just how worrying, worried they are with the injury situation. Because at the moment, he's started, I think, 16 Premier League games out of the 29. And unfortunately, for a player of Kante's quality, you need him so much more than that. And whether they're worried about whether these little injuries that he keeps getting, that he's happened all the way since the end of last season before the Europa League. And then, you know, we knew that he really shouldn't have played the Europa League final. I was there in the open training session before the game and he didn't even train. And yet somehow managed to get through a full session, a full game was just incredible. And you do wonder whether, you know, if a big club does come in, if a, if a likes of PSG come in with big money and they are worried that they can't get, an, you know, even half a season out of him, if his body is starting to break down, do you take the money? I mean, it's a massive decision to make because he is still a world-class player when he's fit. And if you're going to get a fully fit Kante, then he stays all day long uh, for the next few seasons. But I, I'd like to see him in the two. So my, I'd go for a 4-2-3-1 uh, for me well, with Kante. In the... I was, uh, yeah, I was going to say, Ollie. I mean, that's a really good point. I mean, these are both 4-3-3. And I think, you know, the reality is, and this is what Frank's done all year, is, is that he will change formation depending on who he's playing and what the situation is. So... You know, for example, although I thought Alonso did very, very well in a back four against Everton, we know that he's much better uh, when we're playing in a back three. Um, you know, so he has a role to play. And I think you're right. You know, if you played 43-1, then there's a massive argument for having Kante and Kovacic or Kante and Gilmore or, you know, something like that in, in, in the two. So it does change, doesn't it? Look, the reality is, is this is all hypothetical because right now... <laughs> There ain't no flaming football, but uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens when it does come back. Uh, now, the reason we've got no football, as we all know, is because there's a 
great big blooming pandemic around at the moment, which is rather serious. Um, I thought that Chelsea, uh, the fifth, uh, what do they call it? The fifth stand? I don't know. The fifth, I can't remember. The fifth element? I don't know. Fifth stand. Fifth stand, yeah. Is it? Whatever. Fifth element was a film of Gary Oldman, wasn't it? My bad. (laughs) Um, Anyway, um, occasionally it comes up with the the odd gem, and it came up with one today about uh, when, I mean, given that this is probably going to be the longest season ever and never, ever, no, no, never get. Can I just query that a second? The 1963 season um, uh, lasted quite long because of the big freeze. Okay, well, because I love you, I'm going to find out whether you're right or not. No, you've I'm got not the... suggesting it lasted longer, but I'm I'm just re- reminding everybody, uh, the listener, that um, there was in fact another occasion when uh, uh, a similar um, extension to the season occurred. It finished further up in May. Was it the 62-63 season or the 63-64? 62-63 season. Okay, well, that finished on the 21st of May, so that's nowhere near. Yeah, nowhere near. But nowhere it's a good shout. What? Nowhere near what? No, well, because let me just run through this, right? The in, in well, I'll go through the longest first. The longest so far has been two thousand and eight nine, which finished on the thirtieth of May, uh, uh, with uh, with an FA Cup final win, yeehaw, against Everton. Oh, okay. What, what was uh, the reason for that? Well, then? if you be quiet, I'll tell you. Two thousand eighteen nineteen. Sorry, I'm just interested. I'm intrigued. Well, you, you'll be all. If you, I know curious. you are, but you won't hear if you, if I know, you but can't I spent hear. Most of my time doing that, not playing football, and not going to watch Chelsea, and I was nine. You know, so. What nineteen sixty three? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it finished on twenty first of May. Seven nil against Portsmouth. We won. How was that? How yeah, was we that? go. Anyway, 2008-9 is the longest so far. That finished on the 30th of May. Uh, and that ended with, with us beating uh, Everton in the FA Cup, if you remember, uh, when Frank scored and whizzed around the, uh, the corner flag. I was at that one. 2018-19 finished on the 29th of May. Uh, that was obviously last year when we played Arsenal in Baku and won the Europa League. 87-88, ugh, this was uh, the playoff, wasn't it, against Middlesbrough. Uh, where we ended up getting relegated. Uh, that finished uh, on the 28th of May. Uh, 2016-17, it finished on the 27th of May, uh, and again, uh, caused by our own success, with another cup final appearance, uh, when we sadly got beaten by Arsenal. Miserable day, remember it well. And my my favourite one, although it wasn't the winner, uh, but I thought, you know, I don't think you would have been at this one, JK. You'd have missed it by a whisker, but it was... Uh, the 26th of May in 1946-47, uh, when actually this, the re- the reason why this... Well, it finished on the 26th of May, and the reason for that was because the season started later, because it was after the Second World War. So they didn't start until the end of August, and they had more teams. And also, funnily enough, um, there was a bit of a delay in February and March because of the weather, the freezing conditions, which kind of also caused a delay. Anyway, um, our last match... Uh, we were without our star striker, Tommy Lawton, okay, who missed the last month of the game. He's a very famous player, he was. And we were beaten 3-0 at home by Portsmouth on the 26th of May. But we we secured, we had already secured a comfortable mid-table finish. So there you go. How about that? Do you remember that, JK? Yes, very well. <laughs> <laughs> he was whiz- you were whizzing your rattle, weren't uh, you? Funny enough. Yeah, Come probably- on, you blues. Probably a baby rattle, but there you go. Right, next up, uh, we're going to have a chat about, because basically on Friday, I read a really nice piece uh, that Match of the Day were doing uh, their 10 uh, greatest captains of the Premier League era, because like 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 uh, Sky, they've got the same disease, and they think that football started in the Premier League. 
But anyway, uh, they then put this out as a programme in lieu of Match of the Day on a Saturday night. And actually, I watched it. It was quite good watching. It was the, they kind of set it up as a podcast between Gary Lineker, uh, Ian Wright, 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 and uh, Alan Shearer. And it was actually quite entertaining. And they went through and chose their 10 best, greatest Premier League captains. And bless their little cotton socks, they all chose John Terry as the greatest Premier League captain of all time. So fair play to them for actually you know, getting it right. Uh, none of them were tempted to uh, choose Tony Adams or Roy Keane or Javad. <clears throat> so I, I commend them for that. Anyway, we were kind of thinking about doing this on Friday Night Show, but we didn't really get very far, did we, JK? But I've, I've done a bit more homework on it. And uh, there, there are some interesting candidates, actually, which I'll just go through very quickly, uh, which I found on some article somewhere. They, the ones they've mentioned are Graham Roberts, who was, of course, our captain in 88-89. Uh, Frank Lampard, of course, you know, picked up a few trophies as captain, including the Champions League, as we all know. Terry Venables was a good shout, I think. He uh, he won the League Cup in 1965, our second trophy, as it were. Uh, Jack Harrow. I, I didn't even know about Jack Harrow, but Jack Harrow uh, basically captained Chelsea for his entire professional career. Uh, and he was uh, a left-back, uh, and uh, he was, the, what was he? He was the first ever Chelsea player to play over 300 times for the club, and his greatest moment as captain was leading Chelsea to their first ever cup final in 1915, which I think was against Sheffield United and was known as the Khaki Cup Final, wasn't it, JK? Yes, 1915, the Khaki Cup Final. Play up your blues. There we go. Uh, Marcel Desai, the rock, uh, you know, he was captain for Isle, as we all know. Uh, he was uh, played for us for six years. Took us to the FA Cup final 2002 against Arsenal. We lost. I was there. It was grim. Uh, and, of course, uh, he led us to runners-up in the league in 2004. Uh, also to Arsenal, who, of course, were invincibles that year. Uh, Colin Pates, who we will be talking about in a minute. Uh, he was a great captain in the 80s, when, when in the time when apparently we were shit. Uh, but he did actually help us to our 1984 second division title. Uh, and, of course, he won the full, full Members' Cup, which we'll be talking about in a minute. Uh, Roy Bentley... Uh, 367 games for Chelsea over eight years and, of course, captained us to our first ever league title, the first division title in May, in, in May 1955. Dennis Wise. I think Dennis Wise always gets forgotten about in these things. And Dennis was wonderful. 332 appearances uh, for Chelsea. And, of course, he we won the FA Cup in 97 and 2000, made the final in 94 and off, off, also won the UEFA Cup Winners' Cup in 98. for England he played. Yeah. I know. Wonderful great, player. Wonderful, great player. wonderful player. A lot of people's choice for a great Chelsea captain would be Ron Chopper Harris, of course, uh, because he was at the club for 19 years. He played 795 games for Chelsea. It will never be beaten. But he also um, basically uh, led us to, well, won the FA Cup final in 1970, of course, and uh, the uh, uh, UEFA Cup, European Cup Winners' Cup in 1971 when we beat Real Madrid. Uh, so Chopper should always get a, a massive shout for that, also for the longevity. But of course, as Jonathan and I decided, didn't we, unilaterally on Friday, you can't even, nobody, nobody will ever, I don't think, get close to John Terry no. as Chelsea's most successful and greatest ever captain. And, you know, who are we, I mean, blimey, mate, if, if, if Alan Shearer, Ian Wright and Gary Lineker all chose John Terry as the greatest Premier League captain of all time, and there have been a few good ones, let's be honest, I mean, it's just such a no-brainer that John Terry's Chelsea's greatest ever captain, isn't it? Oh, uh, uh, easily, easily the most superb um, on on every level. Every um, uh, never say die. Uh, uh, a, a great uh, um, 
uh, what's the word, uh, example for everybody around him, um, cajoling, uh, influencing, organising, um, uh, a superb player. Uh, I mean, just just phenomenal. You can't really, uh, you you. Uh, I mean, you can criticise him, but for for being occasionally a bit slow on the turn, but uh, read the game wonderfully. Everything absolutely spot on similar to the kind of reading of the game that Bobby Moore had for somebody who wasn't having a great burst of speed but um, a phenomenal player phenomenal captain yeah just just to put it in perspective right I mean th- this is a list of all of Chelsea's uh, trophy winning captains Ollie Roy Bentley won the league and uh, the community shield or the charity shield as it was in those days so that's two Terry Venables won the league cup in 65 that's one Chopper won the FA Cup and the Cup Winners' Cup, 70-71. That's two. Colin Pates won the uh, second division and the full Members' Cup. For some reason, well, that's one trophy. They've given him one. I mean, I suppose it's two, really. Graham Roberts won the second division in 88-89. That's one. Peter Nicholas, your old chum Peter Nicholas, Jonathan. You mentioned him on Friday, actually. I did, yeah. Yeah, he won the full Members' Cup in 1990. Uh, Dennis Wise, FA Cup 97, League Cup 98, uh, Community Shield, I think it was by then, 2000. Uh, UEFA Super Cup, 98, and the Cup Winners' Cup in 98, 6. So Dennis is far and away the second best uh, trophy-winning captain. Of course, he won the FA Cup in 2000 as well. He's the second best trophy-winning captain in the club's history. This is interesting. I forgot. It's easy to forget about Gaza. Gary Cahill won the FA Cup in 2018 and the uh, Europa Cup in 2019, of course. So that's two. John Terry, 16 trophies. 16 trophies. Nobody else gets even close. Premier League, uh, 0405, 0506, 0910, 14, 15, 16, 17. FA Cup, 2007, 9, 10 and 12. League Cup, 2005, 7 and 15. Uh, Community Shield, 2005, 9. Uh, Champions League, 2012. Europa League, 2013. Absolutely astonishing, Ollie. What do you have to say about all of that? Yeah, just incredible. I think it just goes to show what a great leader he was on the pitch for Chelsea. And, you know, it's not just that he was just captain of the team. He was such an integral part of all of those squads, really, and all of those teams that they won, uh, maybe slightly towards the end of his career, not not quite as much in that last league title, I guess, on the pitch. But off the pitch, I know that obviously he played such a big part in the dressing room to make sure that Conte's side did go on and win the, and win the league. Just an incredible leader, really. And I think that, you know, when you talk about captains, some people talk about, whether you're a good talker or if you're, your performances, but he had, you know, both absolutely to a T. Even always talking through a game, but yeah, he was ready to throw his body on the line. And I think players really sort of signal to that as well. They just really go towards that. And there's no question that, that John Terry was always going to be captain. He was always a captain material. Um, even when he wasn't playing so much towards the end of his Chelsea career, he was still always the captain. Um and it's a really hard one for, for someone to follow up. I mean, that's the thing. You look at Gary Cahill, you spoke about there, and he was a good captain in his own right, but he'll always be in sort of the shadow of what John Terry was at Chelsea and and same probably a little bit with Aspie right now. And so you do wonder where the next great Chelsea captain might come from. Yeah, I think it's very, very true. He's doing so well for Palace, actually, at the moment, which he clearly is, Cahill. And I slightly, I, I despair slightly because I wonder whether this year, in fact, his uh, experience and abilities at centre half would actually have been would have worked rather well with this setup. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I don't believe there was any discussion that he might that Lampard tried to get him to convince him to stay for another year or anything like that. But I do completely agree. You know, when he 
when John Terry retired, you kind of felt that maybe the time of the Premier League was kind of past him now that, you know, moved down to the Championship as he did with Aston Villa was a good move. Gary Cahill is still a very good Premier League defender and you can see that he's gone yeah. in there and he's taken on the captain's armband when Milovejevic isn't playing and he's, he's leading by example there and they had a really good run just before the break. So, you know, he's still an excellent player, but unfortunately when it comes to Chelsea captains, he'll always slightly be in the shadow of John Terry. Hmm, interesting stuff. Uh, right, now, one of those uh, aforementioned captains, Colin Pates, who uh, is a lovely chap and was much loved by us all during the 80s when things were a little bit topsy-turvy, uh, his finest hour for Chelsea was when he uh, went up to lift the full Members' Cup in 1986. And it so happens that... Uh, that um, that is, is today, March the 23rd, is the 34th anniversary of that uh, wonderful win at Wembley uh, when we, we beat Man City 5 4 in an absolutely bonkers game. Uh, and we're going to be talking all about that uh, after this break. But before we do that, um, I just a quick shout out for Patreon. Don't forget, if you like what we do, you can become a Chelsea Fancast patron and help us cover the always increasing costs. They're about to get even more costly to do because i've got a brave and cunning plan to move it off skype anyway uh we still do lots of shows as you know and uh, we like to think it's pretty good what we do uh now that's not uh, not that we're trying to beg for money or anything but if you do want to donate it's pretty easy uh, just lob some money at patreon.com forward slash chelsea fancast on the basis that several things will happen a nothing at all because i never get my shit together b uh you can converse with me on there send us in messages or emails that you want to get read out on the show C, this is the golden option, the golden tier, is that, that me and Jonathan do get our shit together and we put up really good, lovely, exclusive content for you, which kind of makes it all worthwhile in a slightly different way. But there's no pressure on either you or us. But uh, if you want to help out, it's lovely and it's greatly appreciated by me for all of those of you who do. So there you go. Anyway, we'll be back after this break. Chidge. JK. In all the years you've been following Chelsea, you hardly ever miss a match, home or away. But how would you feel if you couldn't be there and it's not on TV? Oh, Chich, I'd be bereft, inconsolable. The thought of missing my beloved Blue Boys live. <laughs> it's all too much. <laughs> I know, JK, I know. It's all a bit too much, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> well, panic not. NordVPN have come to the rescue. They have? Yep. NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. They do? Yeah, they do. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match, and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. Oh, wow. Great. Ah, but yeah, I bet that'll cost me a fortune. Actually, JK, it's only the price of a cup of coffee per month, and you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain, JK, and best of all, no more tears for you. Oh, thank you, thank you, NordVPN. I'm so happy, I could cry. <laughs> but where do I sign up, Jidge? Well, to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18+, plus. serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. 
See McDonald's.com. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Up the Chelsea! Footballfancast.com. Right, welcome back, you lovely lot. This is the Chelsea Fancast. I'm Stanford Chidge, and I've got with me tonight, as ever, Jonathan Kidd. Whoa. And the wonderful uh, Chelsea correspondent, or Chelsea, that went all a bit Chinese then, the Chelsea <laughs> correspondent for Football.London, Mr. Mr. Oliver Harbord. Good evening. Always lovely to have you both on the show, especially Ollie, because we haven't... I can't remember the last time you were on, Ollie. Do you remember the last time you were on? Uh, this is uh, uh, definitely first appearance of 2020, I believe. Wow. Um, well, that's, yeah. Which is all my own fault, to be honest. This could be the first one this season. I think the last time you were on, we were still in mono, not stereo. Ooh, uh, maybe. Is yeah. It yeah, it could be the first one this season. It should be... Yeah, uh, yeah that's a long time. <laughs> It is far too long. You're obviously very busy. I know you're very busy, actually, to be fair. So there you go. Which means that we're even more grateful for having you on tonight. Right. Now, um, because uh, there's bugger all uh, kind of, you know, regular uh, current football going on at the moment, this, of course, affords uh, podcasts like the Chelsea Fancast in particular, I think, to wallow, wallow like a great big flaming hippopotamus in a big mud vat of football from when we were young. Okay. And. Uh, I'd actually forgotten about all of that today, and, and uh, I, I didn't know what we were going to do. And then Marco, bless his heart, uh, tweeted out early this morning that as this is the 23rd of March, uh, it is therefore the 34th anniversary of the day that Chelsea uh, lifted the full Members' Cup at Wembley by beating Man City 5-4 in an absolutely Billy Bonkers match. Um, and it was very special for... I wasn't there, sadly. I couldn't make it. But it was very, very special for supporters who were there because it was the first time we'd been to Wembley since uh, 1972 when we lost the League Cup final to uh, a pensioner by the name of George Easton playing for Stoke City uh, and uh, we'd never been in a sniff with a trophy really in the intervening years so it was the first thing we'd won uh, of any note uh, by then. I'm gonna, What I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a little bit of history about, uh, about said competition for those of you who don't even remember what it was. Uh, and then I'm going to uh, indulge you and me because uh, a few months ago, as you all know, I've been doing these things called the Chelsea Special, which are loads of interviews with uh, former Chelsea players. And I, I happened to interview Colin Pates, who was Chelsea's captain on the day, who did lift the FA Cup, not the FA Cup, he lifted the full members' cup, and Johnny Bumston, who was playing uh, in midfield, as he always did. And I talked to them about their memories of the full members' cup final. And uh, they were very, very funny and very engaging talking about that. But before that, um, I'm just going to tell you, kind of just read out a little bit of, about what happened in the competition. Uh, basically, Chelsea were one of only five top flight teams to enter the competition, which, by the way, was uh, was held because there were there was no European competition for uh, uh, top, you know, first division clubs at the time because of the Heisel disaster and uh you know all, all all english football clubs basically suffering a five-year ban from european competition so that freed up the schedule somewhat so and i think ken bates who was probably on the fa committee or something 
<clears throat> decided that it would be good fun to to do this competition but not not all of them uh, were up for it as i said only five top flight teams entered it but chelsea won their group group convincingly they beat portsmouth 3-0 thanks to goals from bummers mickey hazard and kerry dixon before two goals from pat nevin and one from david speedy gave them a 3-1 win at charlton uh, we also needed penalties to win our regional semi-final and they came from 2-0 down against west brom to force a shootout where garth crooks was the only man to miss from the spot. Oh dear, how sad, never mind. Uh, in their regional final against Oxford, Chelsea had Keith Jones sent off in the first half, but uh, Kerry Dixon scored a hat-trick in a thumping 4-1 win, making Oxford's 1-0 win in the return fixture irrelevant. And uh, unlike a lot of what had gone before, the final proved to be a rare success. Healthy crowd of 67,236 uh, enjoyed the game. Chelsea, as, as you know, they won 5-4 uh, in a nine-goal thriller. Uh, Man City took the lead after Steve Kinsey deflected a Mick McCarthy shot past Steve Francis, but from this point on it was at the David Speedy and Colin Lee show. And Nevin Cross allowed Speedy to head in the equaliser, with Lee putting Chelsea 2-1 up before the break. Speedy went on to complete a Wembley final hat-trick. As far as I'm aware, uh, the only other hat-trick scored in a final at Wembley is by Jeff Hurst in the World Cup final, so that's quite an accolade that old Speedo Great goal. Uh, oh, all, all they the- were all good goals, weren't they? Yeah. Well, he he he, got, he uh, completed his hat trick with a long range effort. Oh, sorry, no, sorry. That Chelsea then uh, added another one with a long range effort from Colin Lee to put us five one up. So we're five one up. There's about six minutes to go. You can't be in a better position in a final or even a football match of any kind, can you? Oh no, this is Chelsea. Uh, what happened? Two goals from Mark Lillis for City, either side of a Doug Ruby own goal, great header by the way, uh, gave the scoreline a, f- a more respectable look of 5-4. But my God, anybody who was there, and I've got plenty of mates who were, including Jonathan, who I'll talk to about all this in a minute, nearly had a heart attack at this. Oh. Uh, but anyway, let's listen to what uh, Colin Pates and, uh, and uh, Johnny Bumstead had to say about this. The, uh, the full members' cup. Yeah. In '86, uh, I mean, we still, you know, we still sing it, and we're quite drunk in the pubs, which is most of the time when Pates went up to lift the full oh, no. cup. We were there. Oh, yeah. I mean, how, how does that feel for a start? Do you know what? It's amazing because I, in Fulham Broadway Station, yeah, I had a platform singing it to me. Really? Um, in Witherspoons in Victoria Station, I had the whole of the escalator singing it. Really? To me. Yeah. As they were coming down, I was going up for yeah, a point yeah. and laying yeah, rules. Yeah. It's just incredible. Yeah. I know why. I know why it meant yeah. so much as well. Because it, it meant so much to the players as yeah. well. Because, Did it really? Yeah, because we, you know, we, we we were coming through a really bad time. You know, we'd had a bad time as a club, and then. Th- but those, that, those that two was, years before, it was on the up. We oh, were doing no, all right, weren't we? Yeah, exactly what I'm saying. You know, we won the league, and we done this, and we done that, and we were on the up. You know, and the fans hadn't had that for a no. long time. You know, they hadn't had a day out at Wembley for a, for a long time. You know. About 24 years. Yeah, so, you know, all of a sudden now the fans are, are buzzing, the players are buzzing. And it was like, the, it was a foot, I always call it the first foothold back to Chelsea being like what it is now. Because it was like, you know, we, in some ways, we we saw all of Chelsea. You know, we saw us being skint, we saw us yep. having any players. Uh, when, 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 did you, when did you join the club? Oh, I signed when I was 10 years of age. So you were there from what? Oh God! I was, well, I was born in 71. So, I started training at the right, club. Right, so 71. So you 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 started at the club effectively in the middle of the Kings of the Kings Road era, when yeah. we're winning the FA Cup, the European Cup, yeah. Winners' Cup. Yeah. So you'd seen this at the height. Yeah. You've seen it go all the way down yeah. again. Yeah. And then all the way yeah. all the way up again. I mean, 
and me and Barnum's always talk about this, we always say that success we had in them two or three years was the was the file for like what's going on now. You that's know, amazing. Can, so I, I, that's a brilliant way to put it, actually. Yeah. And I think a lot of people obviously put it down to uh, Glenn coming in yeah. in the mid '90s, but actually. As you know, I was around then, and, and we—you're right—we were so pumped, Colin, to, to yeah. win something, to go to Wembley. It yeah. was—it was—we didn't care that it was the Ken Bates Cup. That, that, well, that was <laughs> it was a cup, yeah. and we were at Wembley. That was just it. I think people can be very cynical anyway, yeah. can't they? Even if you—if you, know, if you win the FA Cup now, they'll say, "Oh nah, well, yeah, well that's we, nuts." Not many it? people take the FA Cup seriously now, and not. People, you can find a fault in anything, but but I genuinely believe because all them fans, you know, love that era. A because they they didn't know what they were going to get next. Nope. You know, I mean, you know, sometimes we'd go out and we'd be absolutely magnificent. The next day we'd come out and we'd lose. But I always say that that was the first foothold back no, to where I, we are. That's now. a really good way of putting it. The two things that strike me about that that are absolutely nuts: the five-four scoreline, which is crazy. How many of us were there? Just so desperate to see success, but the fact that you played a league game the day before, I think Southampton, Southampton was it. Yeah. yeah. How on earth did you play think, two games uh, in two days? Pacey scored a screamer from 25 yards off his shin. Yeah. I don't remember that. <laughs> you scored yeah. actually. Oh, no, yeah. yeah, didn't you? Got a free kick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You remember that? Yeah. Because yeah, we played on the Saturday and then we played the cup final on the Sunday. But yeah. the, but yeah. we had a free kick outside the box and. Peter Shilton was in goal. Yeah, they were a good side then. Yeah, yeah. they were lining up yeah. the wall, and yeah. of course I just took it, it hit the wall, yeah. deflected past Peter Shilton. <laughs> Peter Shilton looked at me in disgust like he wanted to kill me. Um, you know, it all went according to plan. So, so what do you remember? I mean, apart from that, I mean, you know, actually before we get into the actual match itself, I mean, physically, how, how, you know, if, as I said, if you said to people now, you could play two high-level matches, you know, in 24 hours. They, they look at you like you're mad. I mean, did it affect you physically? Well, I get quite disappointed in, in, in players and managers now when they say, oh, they're tired. I mean, I'm not being funny. To, to, you don't, especially if you're, if you're on a successful side, let me tell you now, you don't get tired. Yeah. You don't get tired. Is that you, adrenaline? Your adrenaline, honestly, it will, it will carry you through. You know, you'll be tired in training, but then as soon as you kick off at a game or you go out for a warm-up before another game, you're fine yeah. because you've got the adrenaline kicking in. And so I kind of get disappointed when I hear players getting tired, especially as you've got teams in the old days that were playing like 50-odd games a season and winning cups and everything. You know, and they used really to play Christmas Day and Boxing Day, of course, in those yeah. days. So yeah. they would play two in 24 hours yeah. um, on worse pitches. But we weren't tired. For that Members' Cup, we weren't tired. Probably sure we went out. We just couldn't wait to get out there. To be honest with you, you know, you felt a bit groggy from the day before. Went out and had a warm up. Saw seventy thousand people out there waiting for you. Trust me, you weren't going to be tired. That, that certainly helped. That uh, <laughs> no, to be honest, it, it was. We knew we had to do it, and as soon as the Southampton game was over, we just went back to the hotel. Had something to eat, and were you not knackered? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> once you start, I mean, once you warm up and get going, you, you're not bad. I mean, there was another one where you didn't really know the importance of it until until you get near to Wembley and you get um, to see the crowds. And it, yeah. I mean, we knew what what cup it was, but 
if you hadn't have known, you'd have thought, what's the FA Cup final? It's yeah, a cup yeah. final. It's yeah. yeah, it's a medal. It's a yeah. trophy. I mean, oh, what, what do you remember about the match? Because it was, I mean, it's five four. We were five one up. I mean, it was nuts. Reminded me of my debut actually. Yeah. Because it was, it was pretty crazy. I mean, we were. We were cruising one minute, then we were under pressure. Well, I think I think it was five-one until the last six minutes. Yeah. So they scored three goals in six minutes. I just I couldn't believe it. I, I Doug Rubio's goal, yeah, brilliant, I, I brilliant header. Thinking if we blow this, you know, we're never going to. This is never going to be forgotten if we blow this. Like, when the, I must admit, when the referee blew his whistle, oh, was I relieved? I think we all were actually. Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> because it was. Because we knew Chelsea. I mean, you know, even at five-one, you were thinking, okay, it, it, you know, you just knew you weren't home and hosed. Mm. So the relief was palpable. David Speedy, of course, scores the first hat trick in a cup final at Wembley since Jeff Hurst, who, of course, ironically was our manager. Yeah, that long exactly before. right. And we were talking about his heading ability, but he scored a great headed goal. Pat Nevin, responsible for three of them in, in terms of assists. Pat was on fire, wasn't he? he was. I, mean, Pat, I don't think anybody could cope with Pat when Pat was. Yeah. Really on, on really on it. Yeah. I hesitate to say this because I can't believe that it, it would it would miss out on, you know. I mean, we, we technically could have got into Europe that year had it had it not been for for Heysel. But I mean, how good did it feel? Be? I mean, that's the first trophy Chelsea had won of any yeah. kind of substance since since seventy one. So how, how did that feel after all those dark years when it had been horrible? Yeah, it was brilliant. As I say, you would as far as I was concerned, it was it was. How I'd imagine being in an FA Cup final, everything seemed mm. the same once you was at Wembley. Have you still got your winner's medal from that final? They're in the museum. Oh, the museum? Yeah. You donated them to the museum? All yours? Yeah. Do you put just you or the other? Uh, I don't know if anyone else is, but they asked me if they could put them in there. Yeah. yeah. From your promotion seasons? Yeah, two of them and the other. What a lovely thing to do. Yeah. We should check that out. I, do you know what? I, 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 I think the shirt's in there as well. The is final it? shirt, yeah. I'm ashamed to say it. I haven't been around there yet. I must go around there. It's apparently very good. It's just all my stuff. No one else's. <laughs> so it's, the, it's, it's not the Chelsea Museum, it's the Johnny Bumstead yeah. Museum. Oh, I like that. I think that's... <laughs> Brilliant. Just, just one thing with the, uh, the, the Members' Cup thing. Yeah. My uh, my ex wife used to say to me that we, we spend too much playing, you know, in amongst football environment and stuff so so she said to me I booked a holiday in Greece and um, <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna get away from it so she booked an excursion on a coach yeah. to take us up into the mountains yeah yeah for some goat's cheese and red yeah, wine yeah. you know Lovely. really interesting stuff <laughs> so I get up there and walk into the bar yeah this is in the middle of Greece yeah. in, in, a, in the hills and as I get there I see a team sheet and a, and a program of Chelsea behind the bar and four blokes in the corner singing when Page went No up. way. <laughs> when was this? This was, I think, uh, at a eight, uh, I can't remember what year. In the 80s? Oh, yeah. It was only so it was like, around the time. It was only like um, six months oh, after. Oh, right. Okay. So six months exactly. after, like, it was that yeah. pre-season wow. or that holiday yeah, yeah. after the thing. Yeah, I ended up in a in the mountains with four blokes and the barman who was a season ticket holder. That's amazing. That is amazing. Cool. She, she just looked at me and went, "My God, what have I got to do to get you away from football?" But you can't. This is this is Chelsea. Wherever you go in the world, and even in those days, you're going to find exactly. It's true. That's but that that is brilliant. But have you heard the story? Have you heard the story? How, I, I don't know if you've heard. No, this, go on, but, go on. But, well, I was coming into a, my local pub, and they were having a quiz yeah. inside the pub, and I'm standing at the bar. This is a true story. I promise you. Yeah. 
and the guy said to me, he said, sport's on now. He said, don't go anywhere. So I went, I'm useless at sport. I said, do you know what I'm like? And he went, he went, no, he said, just stay there. So I stayed at the bar, and, and one of the questions was, who was the first yeah, Chelsea captain? One of them, yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Sure? Who was the first Chelsea captain to pick up a cup at Wembley? So I, um, I've looked at the guy, and I've looked at the guy, and I went, I went, get it, Ronnie Harris. I said, get Ronnie Harris, like that, and, and they're all getting all smug now. Yeah, yeah. They know the answer. So, following day, I go home. So the following day, I come down the pub, and this guy said to me, "That's the last time I ever ask you a sports question." <laughs> so I said, "What are you talking about?" And he said, "He said first Chelsea." captain to pick up a cup at Wembley. He went, it weren't Ronnie Harris. I went, well, who was it? He went, you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Absolutely right. Yeah. Absolutely right. It's a trick question. Right? Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was for me anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Uh, Colin Pates and uh, Johnny Bumpster there talking about uh, the full Members' Cup final in 1986, March 23rd, 1986, when... Chelsea beat Man City 4-1 to win their first trophy since 1971. Now, um, I, I five was otherwise... 5-4. 5-4. What did I say? 4-1. Did I? Where did I get that from? I it was 4-1 until, they, until, uh, until we got five. That's true. Yeah. Um, hit, that, that, my dementia aside, um, I was otherwise indisposed then. I'm trying to think what I was doing in March 23rd, 1986. I'd have been at university in my second year. What was I doing? Probably in a hole drunk somewhere in Chelsea, funnily <laughs> enough, but there we go. Um, bottom line is, I wasn't there, which is very sad. Uh, and Many of my mates were and still speak about this match today. You were there, Jonathan, weren't you? I was, yes, yes. And I, I uh, Unfortunately, I was old enough to um, remember that this was a team that uh, had a great ability to throw away... Um, uh, um, um, what's the word? Uh, situations in a game where it looked as if they were going to win. Snatch uh, defeat from the jaws of indeed, victory. That's exactly think, yes. the phrase I was looking for. Thank you for prompting me there. Yes, yes. Yeah, snatching defeat from the jaws of victory. Um, so there was a kind of terrible possibility that they were going to draw and it would then go to extra time and penalties and we would lose. And the the sinking feeling one has in these situations is something I've got uh, very used to and and has a, gives me this slightly pessimistic um, attitude towards watching the team. I wouldn't say pessimistic, resigned, resigned. You know, you just go, oh, here we go again. Um, but uh, yes, uh, Speedy sort of scored some fabulous goals. Um, Speedy was a um, uh, a terrific player and. Um, why wasn't Dixon playing? Do you know, Chip? He was, he was injured, mate. Did he get injured the day before yeah. in the Southampton? No, no, I think he, I he, think was, he was injured, injured anyway. Was, yeah. He'd scored yeah. the other goals. Um, but you had the, you had the rather um, uh, tenacious, wrong expression, um, uh, little beaver-like, uh, probably wrong expression as well. Uh, Kevin McAllister was a perfect foil for Nevin uh, on the right wing because he buzzed about. He wasn't really uh, bee-like. No, that doesn't fit either. He wasn't really um, uh, anywhere near as good as Nevin, but... Uh, um, it, and a great moustache, though. Yeah, and a great Scotsman and uh, Titchy. And, uh, you know, you had a right winger and a left winger, which was lovely to see. But Nevin was completely outstanding. It, Nevin was a great player who I'm afraid when he went left for Everton, I never forgave him. And I know the team weren't in a very good state, but uh, 
he was my favourite player of that period. I thought he was completely wonderful, other than that dreadful penalty he took. But um, he was uh, superb. And you had the mad Rugby at fullback who uh, heading heading the ball into his own goal so competently was really, you know, part of <laughs> the course with Doug. You, you, you didn't go... I know he was hassled by the bloke who scored the hat-trick. I can't remember his name. Well, by the way, an interesting point, of course, was that um, Clive Wilson was playing for them, who'd, who'd been playing for Chelsea. Clive Wilson playing for Man City. Do you remember him? He played for Chelsea yeah, I do. for a period. Yeah, and I met I met I met Clive at uh, when Kerry launched his DVD uh, okay. with yeah with um, Chris, the lovely Chris who, who who made it with him. I went to one of the launch dues, and I sat and ate dinner with Clive, and he's a really lovely, lovely human being, really nice man. He was a decent player. He played for Tottenham yeah. as well, didn't he? He was yep. Uh, yep. He, he was no mug. Actually, didn't he come from City? I can't remember. Um, uh, I can't remember. Somebody have to tell me. Um, uh, and who else was playing? I mean, they were a decent side. The Blues. I just, I, I just saw through the, the. Uh, I don't know. The, the, there was an element of fakeness about it. We all felt because there were only five teams from the first division. So you know, there was an element of it, as as you say, it was Ken's Cup, and we 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 all thought slightly. Well, he's just set it up because uh, because he wants us to win a trophy, and he fancies the dosh from getting to a final. We were slightly cynical about it, but they were a decent side. Colin Lee was a decent player. Um, uh, as I say, uh, McAllister buzzed. Uh, uh, Johnny B was uh, was midfield, wasn't he? Um, who else did they have that I liked? Uh, I mean, Mickey Hazard was a very decent player. I never quite understood why he didn't play often enough. He was almost, he was a slightly different era player, Hazard. He was really tricky. There was a, a bizarrely, there was an element of the current Hazard about him. And uh, uh, and it's no surprise to me that he's a, an ambassador at Spurs because he was more um, he was more appreciated at Tottenham. Uh, he never quite made it with us. And Johnny Hollins kept dropping him, which we could never understand because Hollins was the manager at the time. Uh, and that was a strange period, particularly the following season, of course, when they went down, um, despite being so good. I mean, they were a very, very good side. Um, I'm trying to think who else... Uh, who else was in the? Uh, of course, Spackman was in the side. He was fantastic, fantastic player. Um, McLaughlin was pretty good, uh, and then the bizarre fullback Darren Wood, who I, I, I never really thought I'd, I can't remember at all, Chidge, about him at all as a player, which is so mm. weird. Everybody else has got you know in my mind. Pate's decent centre half. McLaughlin um, always trying hard, but uh, Dublin decent player. I remember going up and watching. I went and watched. Um, uh, Chelsea play at Liverpool once, and uh, he was a fullback. And we we both, me and my mate, got uh, we, we we foolishly sat in the cop. I uh, stood in the cop. I mean, Jesus, what's the matter with us? And got chased out of the ground for being for being posh. Because <laughs> we, I, I, not that we said, "Come on, Chelsea." I think I actually went, "Come on!" Once, you know, and it had a look at me. If somebody looked at me and thought, you know, he spoke, "You're not, you're not from around here, are you?" And I went, uh, 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 "No, I am actually no." And then that was enough to have them. My dreadful accent have them chase us both. And we tried to find a policeman. A policeman told us both to go away. Oh, I'm not helping you. Get off. Um, uh, but yeah, who else was there? Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, decent players, you know. I mean, Doug Rugby, for all his madness, could actually, you know, good tackle and a very decent, decent centre. Um, Pat, good left peg. Excellent. Yeah, yeah, only left peg. Yeah, yeah. But and Speedy, Speedy was phenomenal, particularly with Kevin. Oh, with Kevin, Jesus, with them, um, with Kerry. Um, they were a, they were a really brilliant combination. They really were. But he he was a he was a 
he could be a nasty piece of work, Speedy. It was that kind of, you know, he'd leave his foot in and he'd he'd get in, he'd, he'd get stuck in, which occasionally is something that it would be nice to see in our current side from time to time. So excellent stuff as I said, I'm very sorry I missed it now Ollie I, 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 I'm going to 50-50 this but I think there's a, a 50% chance that you probably weren't born in 1986 uh, it was two years before I was born yeah there we Eight, go 88 was <laughs> I win the bet I win the bet uh, so there you go you know what uh, listening to Colin which is uh, I'll, I'll plug it in a minute the, the Chelsea special interview but it's a real cracker Colin is great value but what, what struck me about that the two things really one well three things actually one is the fact that he felt and i think he's got a point here but that that side of the mid 80s the side that john neal built and put together with some really good players who by the way were 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 challenging for the top of the table for a, for a couple of seasons i mean we 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 did really well when we bounced back from the second division but he feels that it it was the the foothold for what was to come later, of course, the next stage in Chelsea's development after another blip was uh, was uh, uh, you know when uh, when Glenn Hoddle became the manager, and then of course we won a lot of trophies after he went, and then Roman comes in, and the rest, as they say, is history. I thought that was a really interesting interesting perspective. Plus the the fact that they had to play a League One uh, you know Division One match the day before against Southampton, um, but also the whole uh, kind of. You know the legacy of it. Really, everybody still talks about it to this day. Colin, as he said in in the interview, people still sing when Pates went up to lift the full members' cup. I can't think of many clubs, particularly those that have had such an amount of success that we have done in recent history, will still look upon things like that as fondly as we clearly do and remember some of these players as fondly as we clearly do. I mean, as somebody who wasn't even born then, what's your perspective on that? Yeah, absolutely. I think that it just goes back to the, the thing as well that. Just a, a day out in Wembley, how special is that? Because it's not, yeah. you know, I, I feel like it, these days, you know, the fact that the, you know, the FA Cup semi-final is played at Wembley, all those sort of things, it kind of, it sort Diminish. of nullifies it. Yeah, diminishes it. That's the word I'm looking for. Diminishes it slightly. And I have to say, you know, those old days of go, being able to go back to the Wembley when it was the Twin Towers as well and, and everything about it was just so special. I think that's what people remember. And that's why it's such a shame when people talk about, uh, you know, I was I was in like the press conference this season, and Nottingham Forest, you know, were there and at uh, Chelsea, um, and they, you know, they played a week inside. They made several changes, and and I was in there. I forget the manager's name now off the top of my head, but he was talking. Was, well, we're not going to win it, so why should I bother? And you kind of think well, that's really a real shame because going to Wembley is such a special occasion for all these fans that will remember it twenty, thirty years down the line. But yet they're all thinking about the business side of it and and getting up from the championship and all this side of it, which is a real shame. But it's just like, you know nice to hear those those memories of the old sort of going to Wembley and and as you say, just it, it's it's a special occasion for fans that I think these days gets lost somewhat in in the fact that it's just a uh, I won't say more common, but it, it's it's diminished slightly in in that uh, sort of way. Yeah, absolutely. Well. Brilliant. I enjoyed that. Um, now, first up, <clears throat> if you go to the ChelseaFanCast.com website and you go into the Chelsea special section, and if you look on the uh, the post that I put up that, that, that go, you know, to go together with the Colin Pates interview that the Chelsea special did and the Johnny Bumpstead one, I think I could be lying, 
I quite often do, but I have I have a feeling that you, you'll be able to find the highlights of the full Members' Cup final. So if you weren't around, if, you, if you're lucky enough to be as young as Ollie, then you can go and have a look and see, see what all the fuss was about. I mean, Pat Nevin was phenomenal on that day, uh, as was Speedo. So <clears throat> it's well worth having a look. And I've got the YouTube clips of them up there. So go to ChelseaFanCast.com, go to the Chelsea special section, and then go and look for either Johnny B or, or Colin Pakes, because I'm sure, I think it's probably Colin Pakes that I've got the, uh, the full Members' Cup final uh, footage up there. Now, talking of those two, as I've said ad infinitum, they are they both feature or the, the those clips were taken from the interviews that we did for the Chelsea special. Uh and honestly the full interviews with them both are just well worth listening to, particularly the Colin Pates one. He's he's very articulate and a very engaging and entertaining chap. Uh but as well as Colin and Johnny B, we've also got Kerry Dixon, Bobby Tambling, Chopper Harris, Tommy Baldwin, Johnny Boyle, uh Gary Chivers, Canners, the mo- mammoth two and a half hour Paul Cannibal interview. I don't think he's ever, ever, ever uh, been as forthcoming about his unbelievable life story. So they're really, really well worth listening to, particularly at a time like now when there's nothing else to listen to, really, because, you know, no football or anything. So you can download all of the interviews at the Chelsea Special dot podbean dot com. Uh, they we do charge for each one. They're two pounds ninety nine. Uh, honestly, that's just just to cover the cost of production. We were paying all of the players to take part in this, so uh, we do need to recoup what we've spent. Uh, that's any you know, it's less than a price of a cost of coffee, so it's not a huge ask. Uh, so there we go. Go to Chelsea uh, Chelsea Special dot podbean dot com. Subscribe to it and uh, click on the buy single episode now. Uh, you'll see all the all the featured interviews up there and just click on buy special episode now or single episode now and then you can listen to it and download it it's really simple and of course check out chelseaspecial.com and follow them at chelsea underscore special on twitter and uh, also on facebook the chelsea special so there you go right after this very short break we've got a couple of emails to do for you Fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Proper Chelsea. Footballfancast.com. Righty ho, welcome back. Uh, this is the Chelsea Fancast, the home straight, as it were. I'm joined as ever by Jonathan Kidd. Whoop. And the uh, very erudite and informative Mr. Oliver Harbord from uh, Football London. Evening. Now, um, I, I don't know how you're feeling about that. I, li- I like a bit of nostalgia wallowing, Jonathan. Yes. Well, what I love about it is that I, I couldn't remember anything about it, and then uh, um, looked it up, and I thought, oh God, bloody oh yeah, I remember. Oh, and it all came. That's the thing. Everything comes flooding back. I find after a bit, and then you uh, you remember. Yeah, by the way, Clive Wilson, of course, played for Queens Park Rangers as well. And Man mm. City was his first club. He played for five years for Rangers. He was a very decent player. I liked him at Chelsea. I never quite. It didn't quite work for him. I don't know why that didn't happen for him. Um, but um, uh, I think he played. Was he playing at the same time as Kevin Wilson? I think he was. That was was slightly yeah. slightly trickier. Was Kevin Wilson slightly later? No, Kevin was wasn't. He was slightly later, wasn't he? Oh God, can't remember because when was Doug? When was um, uh, oh, the, the other Scots forward who then went to Spurs? What was his name? Uh, Jury. Jury. Yeah. Yeah. I've slightly expunged him. I find once I cut thinking about things, you go, oh, I remember that. I remember being there. I remember who I was with and everything. It's weird how the memory works like that. But yeah, that was a, there was some there was some uh, lovely players in that side. 
really terrific. and andy the hutch on mixler a lovely post actually two great posts about that andrew bailey uh, says canners nutmegged clive in the friday night game in the lead up to kerry's goal at main road on the friday night game two years earlier and also uh, it was a great day we ran their mob uh, and up and down Wembley Way. Well done, Andrew. Uh, nice to see you were on form. And Andy the, Hutch, Andy the Hutch says, it was a tremendous day out, but there was no beer within a mile of the ground. We found a little place a fair way away where they were selling two pints in milk cartons. So there you go. How about that? Okay, enough nostalgia dwelling. Uh, we've got a couple of really good emails to read out. Uh, the first one uh, is from Mark Graver from New Zealand, Jonathan. Oh, God, Chidge. Chidge, help. Help. Here we are. Good. Um, email one, Mark Graver. God, I got to it. Scroll perfectly. Uh, dear all, halfway through writing this, a government here in New Zealand announced that in 48 hours we'll be going into total lockdown and complete self-isolation for the next four weeks. No house visitors, no contact, except with those you live with. I'm sure I'm echoing many by offering up thanks for carrying on with the fan cast in these difficult times. It's refreshing to have some sense of normality, though am I pushing the boundaries in describing the fan cast as normal? <laughs> yes. And who wants to be normal anyway? Fair enough. Anyhow, I just wanted to send in a couple of responses to the recent topics you've been covering. Firstly, I was interested in the discussion about football broadcasting and the Amazon experience. I've been living in New Zealand for nearly 17 years now. When I first moved here, the only way to keep up with the football was with a weekly English football newspaper. I had to ask the news agent to get it in specially for me as there wasn't that much interest. The football and the associated pub culture was the main thing I missed when I moved here. For a while, it was possible to semi-legally tune into an Australian SBS satellite for games. I managed to work out how to do this just in time for it to be taken down <laughs> shortly before the 2012 Champions League final. I then tried a Sky subscription, but you could only watch what they decided to show and the expense proved too much versus the available content. Then a few years ago, Sky lost the rights to the Premier League and an online subscription service, Premier League Pass, was introduced. This gave live and catch-up on slash on-demand coverage of every Premier League game for a subscription of around $200, as about £100 per year. It also included one live game per week and a weekly highlight show on terrestrial TV. This lasted three years until BN Sports accidentally got the rights. They apparently only wanted Australia and Asia and New Zealand was just bunged into the pot. They didn't have the infrastructure in place, nor did they seem to care much. But at least we could watch when it occasionally worked. From the start of this season, we've had Spark Sports. Spark is the main New Zealand telecom provider. For a weekly subscription of $19.99, that's about £10, I can watch every Premier League game live and on demand online and through apps on Apple TV, etc. This also includes other sports such as Formula One, tennis, some egg chasing, hockey, basketball, etc. I love egg chasing. I only watch Chelsea games naturally. Oh, sorry. I only watch Chelsea games naturally. I wonder if he got his kit, <laughs> got his kit off for a moment. Yeah. <laughs> I only watch Chelsea. I only watch Chelsea games in the nude. Um, I only watch Chelsea games naturally. I only watch live when time difference allows. So there's a loss of loss of atmosphere. But I can watch without knowing the result and don't have to reenact the famous like. Lads episode. Oh, yeah. Incidentally, when 10 years old and at my first Chelsea match in 1975, I went for the halftime pee and found myself standing next to Rodney Bewes. Yay! I shared a urinal with Bob Ferris, but was too 
starstruck to speak. He probably wouldn't have wanted to shake hands. I haven't used the Amazon service. I don't need to, as it seems we already have a similar setup in place. I guess it will all depend on what happens with the TV rights in the future. But I could see a time when live games are added to the club's in-house TV channels for a fee. But would it be reasonable as the £10 a week I currently pay? How many worldwide viewers would there be? Our fan base must be huge, so I imagine the potential might be there. The other thing that recently sparked my interest and memory was the talk about those Liverpool FA Cup games. I was 14. I remember having to make sure I came in from playing in time to see the 1978-4-2 game on the big match. It was still school Christmas holidays. I'd had a skateboard for Christmas. Just before setting off home to watch the game, I fell off the skateboard, Borg, sorry, fell off the skateboard and hit the pavement face first. Front tooth knocked out, cuts and grazes all down the right side of my face. I got home and rung the doorbell. Mum opened the door, almost fainted when she saw all the blood, but I insisted on watching the game before I'd accept any medical treatment. Bravo! When we went back to school, the teacher looked around the class and seeing a number of scarred teenage faces in various states of mutilation said, hands up who had a skateboard for Christmas. Ah, I still have a broken front tooth. Talking of Rodney Bewes in my first game, it was January the 18th, 1975 versus Nasty Leeds. We lost 2-0. I was 10. I remember the day well. Dad buy me a proper blue and white woolen scarf, which I still have, from a shop near the ground and a badge from a stall in the street, which I also still have. Surrounded by people who were all taller than me, the noise, the slightly frightening excitement, the smell of police horses, piss and beer in the street. We sat in the new East Stand. I still have the programme. Phillips, Locke, Harris, Hollins, Dempsey, Hay, Kemba, Wilkins, Garland, Hutchinson, Cook. East Stand admission was between 80p and a rather exorbitant £2. Also, while I'm very pleased to hear of your musical aspirations, it should be pointed out to Tony that a gentleman is someone who can play the banjo, but doesn't. <laughs> All the best. Keep safe. And thanks again for, for, for providing such a great service to the Chelsea world. Much love, Mark. Lovely email. Lovely. That, that business about the, uh, the police horses, piss and beer. Absolutely right. When you're little. People who were talking. And getting a badge. Yeah, getting a badge. My dad would buy me one of those plastic badges with a face. Plastic star with a little pin on the back. Um, and, a, and it was a, a picture of your... Of, of the of the Chelsea player and they had the whole of the team at the time that would have been a bit earlier in fact that was in the 60s but you could still get a what you call it um a, a CFC badge or something a, a little metal badge they were lovely I thought always that getting a badge your dad buying you a badge was a great moment for me I loved that it was kind of a a, a treat at the end of the game it was really brilliant it's part of the whole thing and similarly my dad bought me a scarf as well it was really great lovely Lovely, yeah. <clears throat> what a great email, Mark. Always lovely to hear from Mark, and I hope you're keeping safe and well in New Zealand. My, funnily enough, my cousin, who I love to pieces, and I very, very rarely get to see because she lives in New Zealand. She came over the other week, but thanks to all this happening, I didn't get to see her. I was supposed to see her for the big Mother's Day lunch we'd had planned on Sunday, and she's now flown back to New Zealand. And of course, the minute she lands, well, she would have landed by now. Uh, she's straight into 14 days quarantine so it's tough for everybody uh, but Mark keep safe and well we love to hear from you even if we don't get to see you as regularly as well I mean I, th I think Mark's been over actually I'm bloody sure I've had a pint with him anyway um, the other thing I, I, I that struck me about that email Ollie was uh, Mark talking about the Premier League rights and I have to say this is something that I think 
uh, is going to be very interesting when football does come back because there's going to be a distinct lack of money about, I feel. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think that Amazon, as we were talking about last week, the Amazon experiment worked quite well. And I, I think we may find it, find the, the TV rights and, uh, you know, football broadcasting environment massively changed or, or potentially changing when we come back. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's you know, quite strange when you go abroad and, I remember I was on holiday in America and every game was being broadcast live that you could watch at a three, you know, the 3 p.m. kickoff on Saturday. I think that that's one of the things that's going to have to happen. I think that as we were talking about before, the, you know, if they do have this festival of football, I think the only way you can do it is making sure it's available to, to everyone to be able to watch because, you know, it's just a, a really difficult time for what for what they're going to try and do but uh it's very interesting to see how football will go i mean around the world the broadcast money is just absolutely flying in for the premier league right now and and they need that to continue they do they do indeed uh so there we go it's going to be very interesting times now finally email because we've only got two this week so get come on people sort it out this is a time of crisis we need your emails like never before you know you send eight or nine or ten in when we've got loads of other stuff to talk about and now when we've got bugger all to talk about, you send two in. Honestly, sort yourselves out. Anyway, uh, the lovely Andy Ike, who sent me this uh, to Patreon, as it happens. Andy's one of our lovely patrons. He says, hey, Chidge and the Fancast crew. Hope you're all healthy and safe as we deal with the coronavirus fallout. Just wanted to send my best wishes from San Diego and let you know how much I appreciated the most recent Fancast. Even with the lack of footy to talk about, you were all uh, entertaining and interesting as ever. Uh, also, I never got back to you on this, but that picture I sent you with the Kerry banner was from the back porch on my house. It's an area called Point Loma. For reference, it's just south of the theme park you referenced shooting at... Uh, basically, I went over there filming uh, when you were in San Diego, when you visited. Uh, no need to read this out. Oops, sorry, already have on the next episode. Hoping that sooner rather than later, but just wanted to drop you my well wishes. Hope you and uh, the rest of the fancast crew and all of your friends and loved ones are staying safe and healthy during this crazy time. Keep the blue flag flying high and in your end of show, bellow up the chills. Cheers, Andy. Lovely to hear from you. Um, yes, you're right, actually. I, I checked out Point Loma in San Diego and I was filming in Mission, Mission Bay, I think. Uh, Mission Beach, even, in San Diego. And it was in Belmont Belmont Park, the Big Dipper, uh, the great big old-fashioned roller coaster that I was filming. I had great fun doing that. Lovely part of the world, too. So you stay safe as well. Now, as I said, um, you know, this is the old the old Chelsea fan cast. We do like your emails. Uh, so, uh, you know, you need, you need to get them in, people, because otherwise, what are we going to talk about? Now, we've got loads to talk about, but it's lovely to hear from you, nevertheless. And if you do want to send an email, send it in before Monday to uh, chelseafancast at gmail.com. <clears throat> now, uh, I'm afraid that this is all we've got time for this week. Now, we will be back next Monday uh, talking about more nonsense. Jonathan and I will be joined by Tony Glover and Alex Churchill. You know what that means? The return of the smut buddies. Dun, dun, dun. And what I think about that, counting the swear words. It's going to be mental, isn't it, those two together? I've kept them apart for good... No, I haven't deliberately kept them apart. It's just a vagary of the schedule. But uh, it'd be great to have them back, won't it? We won't get a word in edgeways, will we? Well, I don't know. I'll try, but I'm, I'm just, you know... No, we won't, on reflection. <laughs> It'll be fun. It'll be fun, though. I can guarantee that. They're on great form. Alex, by the way... Uh, I mean, Alex, I have to say, is one of the most uh, community spirited people i think i've ever met i mean she does so many good things for the community i saw on facebook she was offering to go and 
get uh, elderly people shopping for them. Uh, I was booking slots online so she could do it. Uh, she's now she does all that great work with uh, uh, children and and uh, mothers of uh, kids who have been subject to domestic abuse. She does that every Christmas. She's also now doing a whole range of history podcasts because you know that she's basically a historian in her day job. She's doing uh, history podcasts uh, to just really keep us all chipper and uh, engaged and, you know, like a bit like we're doing. This is the reason we're carrying on the show, really, because people got more time on their hands, maybe a bit bored and fed up, self-isolating. So I, I love Alex. The, the one, one day at Stamford Bridge, as well as Peter Osgood and Frank Lampard and John Terry, there will be a statue of Alex Churchill. It, it, I know she's quite tiny, so it might look a little bit like a garden gnome. But she will have a statue, I promise you. Uh, anyway, uh, one other thing, just to let you know that on the horizon, <clears throat> in fact, as you probably know, this is uh, Chelsea Fancast number 497, which means we are three episodes away from the 500th Chelsea Fancast. That, I mean, Christ on a bike, we had a party when we got to 50. So 500 episodes is going to be absolutely mental. Uh and as luck would have it, uh, I mean, you can look at this two ways. On the one hand, we have no football to talk about, which is a great sadness because they're always marked by that too. On the other hand, maybe we've lucked out so we can have a special 500th show dedicated to blowing smoke up our collective arse for two hours. Can you can you bear it? Actually, in all seriousness, I, I tell you what I'm planning to do, JK, because I know nobody's listening, so they won't. They, I won't spoil it for everybody. I'm going to get, hopefully, uh, do a few chats with... Nearly any everybody who's been on the show in the in, in the five hundred episodes uh, to have a quick chat with them uh, and get them to say what, what what it was like for them being on the show. What do you think of that? Everything would be wonderful, Chidge. I'm absolutely up for anything and everything. We need to do. I'm, I mean, I'm not going to get them on live. I'm going to do a pre-record. No, no, pre-record. Yeah, but indeed, yeah. absolutely. I, you know, anything. If you want to involve me in anything, I'm. Uh, no, you'll you'll be on it. No, I I, right. I, I don't. I, Right. I don't know who's I don't know who's on it yet because I haven't done the schedule. But you and me, obviously, and I'll okay, get another great. couple of people yeah. too. No, absolutely, yeah, and I'd love to. Completely superb, yeah. Thank you. But I'll get I'll get. To, but we'll just talk about that. I mean, there'll probably be some other stuff to talk about too. So we should do that. Who was on <coughs> Who was on your first show, Chidge? It's a it's a quiz question, but okay. I've, I've told it so many times. But uh, the uh, first show, which was done, I think, on the twenty eighth of April, something around that time, on. Uh, in April 2008, so literally just before, I think, the second leg of the Liverpool-Chelsea uh, semi-final, the Champions League. Uh, but we had Stuart Norman, one of one half of the Blues brothers. No, no, we didn't. I'm lying. I got it all wrong. It's because it's <laughs> basically he, he always tells me he was on the first show and he wasn't. He was on the second show. Dr. Mart, obviously, uh, who you've probably never even heard of, Ollie, but Dr. Mark was basically the equivalent of Jonathan Kidd I was at <laughs> back school, in the old days. I was at school with him, and, and he tells the story of that uh, I, I, I put him in detention because I'm he's a year younger than me, and I, I have no recollection whatsoever, but I give in to it. So, you know, yeah, <laughs> yes, okay, if you like, oh, did. He did. Obviously, I... Sorry, go on, Jake. I was going to say he was much taller than me, so it's possible. And I think he may have loomed about a bit. I think he was running, and I may have said, I was such a sweet guy when it came to this kind of thing. I used to say, uh, um, can you stop running, please? And you go, and if they went, you know, sort of. I go, no, look, I'm sorry, I have to tell you. I was a bit like um, John Amazurier in uh, in Dad's Army. You know, no, I'm sorry, I have to tell you to do this. I don't really, you know, I don't want to upset you or anything, but please don't run, because we're not supposed to, if that's okay with you. You know, it was all of that, so... That was the way I behaved as a as a prefect, as I was at school. But um, 
Anyway, uh, yeah, so Dr. Mark was uh, Jonathan Kidd in, in a previous life, if you see what I mean. And my, <laughs> uh, my, my other guest on the show, Ollie, was a great friend of mine who I used to do a lot of TV with at the time called Sheridan Bird. And Sheridan, of course, now is a football writer uh, and TV presenter in, in, in Italy. He specialises in Italian football and he's living in Milano. Great. Nice. So there you go. You, you come, have you come across Sheridan in your travels? I don't think I have, no. I don't think so, no. He's, no. he's a real expert on Italian football and a lovely bloke and very, very funny. He he also wrote the Michael Ballack diaries uh, for Football 365, which have really, you can't, they've taken them all off their site now, but they're just the, one of the funniest things I've ever read. I will dig one out, Ollie, because yeah. I dug one out for somebody else the other day and I'll, I'll email it to you because... They're really hard to get hold of, but they're funny as anything. Sounds good. So there you go. All right. Okay. Now, uh, as you, I was going to say, actually, we were going to do a quiz, but uh, we've run out of time because we always do. We will do it next week, I promise. But uh, before all of that, I've got another announcement to make. Um, as you, you're probably expecting the Love Sport uh, Chelsea fancast this Friday, but because no footballers on and all the other podcasters for all the other clubs are rubbish and can't can't talk about anything other than what's happened in the latest game, so they can analyze it and do all the stats and all that nonsense that we never talk about. Uh, they've basically bumped all of the fan shows from the schedule uh, to, re- to be replaced by Andy Hodgson uh, talking about sport and current affairs between 7 and 11 every night. I, In fact, I'm going to be doing the papers for them at half 10, so if you want to giggle, then you can listen to it then. But we won't be on Love Sport Radio on a Friday night for the foreseeable. But... As ever, I have a brave and cunning plan, and uh, we're going to do a different little show, aren't we, Jonathan? Yes, absolutely. Uh, but I'm not going to say any more about it. But we're going to do it. We, we might, we can do it any time because we're not going to do it live. But we'll put it up maybe on a Friday. Maybe we'll put it up on Patreon first, and then let the uh, the rest of you have it uh, 24 hours later. But keep tuned because we won't be not doing anything. We'll still be doing a, a, a two week, two two shows a week. Uh, one of them around Friday, so listen out to that. Uh, I, on the other hand, I will be on Love Sport on the breakfast shows, I think this weekend, Saturday and Sunday, uh, so do tune in, phone in, join the show, debate with us live. The number to call is 0208 70 20 558, and of course you can WhatsApp that number too if you don't want to be on the phone. <clears throat> and of course Love Sport as a national radio station broadcast on digital radio channels as well as radio player. Tune in lovesportradio.com and of course uh, well, it's irrelevant, the next bit, so I'm not going to read it out, but there you go. Um, we we put the Chelsea Fancast up, as you know, on all of the podcast channels, ChelseaFancast.com, Acast, Apple, SoundCloud, and Spotify, and others besides, uh, and including uh, this wonderful invention, which is an app by CFC Blues, who will tell you about that now. For Chelsea fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews, and the best Chelsea videos and podcasts. Download the free CFC Blues app now from the App Store and Google Play. Now, you can also follow the show on Twitter, at Chelsea Fancast, me at Stanford Chiz, Jonathan at Jonathan Kidd, Ollie at OJ Harbord, uh, Dean at Dean Mears, uh, Marco at Gate17 Marco, uh, Joe at Joe Tweedy, Clayton at Gold, Goalie59, Tony at Gross Jack UK, Martin at Martin Wickham, Dan at Dan Silve 73 Liam at Liam underscore Toomey, and of course the lovely Alex Churchill at CFCGWLB, as well as our writers who are uh, at Clitheroe Blue, at Dean Mears and Alex, of course, who I've just said. And a big thank you to Dane Whittle, who's taken over the job of managing our Instagram account, and he does a fine job. Uh, and that is at Chelsea Fancast, and I've found my password, so I can now get back into 
it and ruin it all, but uh, I'll do my best not to. So there you go. Uh, Ollie, absolutely brilliant having uh, you on the show again. You're such a welcome addition to this. We do miss you when you're not on it. So you're welcome back anytime you like, mate. Thanks very much for having me back on, and I'll, I'll make sure it's not as long next time. No, you do that. Be good to, uh, you're welcome anytime, as I said. It, you, you add so much to this yeah, show, so great. it's great to have you on. Fantastic. Yeah, Ollie, brilliant. Oh, great. Thanks for having me on. It's been great. Jonathan, uh, you, as always, are are a treasure. You're a national treasure, mate. What can I say? It's been lovely having spending another two hours on a Monday waffling with you about Chelsea. I hope you've enjoyed it as much as I have. I'm a national treasure only in your head, Chidge, but thank you very much. How nice. Well, they, yes, you know, you would, if only you knew what was going on in my head. Oh, it's frightening. <laughs> I don't think I want It's frightening. To. Thank you. Uh, but Between so, him. Um, and, uh, yeah, uh, very enjoyable. And I wish everybody uh, on Mixler well, guys. Wish you yes. all the... Uh, Hope everything works out for you in these strange times at the moment. So, yeah, stay well, everybody. Well, it's it's really, yeah, of course, absolutely. Yeah, stay well, keep safe, uh, self-isolate. It's just not worth the risk. The stuff that I read about what this thing is about is truly, truly frightening and apocalyptic. Uh, it's just not worth it. So look after yourselves and each other. I'm going all bloody Jerry Doodah, Jerry Springer here, aren't I? Anyway, enough of that nonsense. Okay, right, you lot out there, Mixler people especially, thank you for listening. See you next time. Until then, keep it blue, keep it carefree, and keep it chills. Up the chills! It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.